Hello, everybody. This is Mike, and we are 40 going on 14. I was about to ask you to please stop that song. I'm Patrick. I'm not muted. (laughs) (laughs) He was Joel, and I'm Josh. And in honor of April Fool's, anybody on the Internet who attempted to prank me with lame-ass Internet April Fool's jokes was rewarded with Game of Thrones spoilers. Right on. Did they? Did you do that? That's awesome. <laughs> well, luckily, everyone knows how I feel about April Fool's jokes on the internet. <laughs> that would be great. Somebody like put something on your on your wall. Your first response is, is to tell them about the purple wedding. <laughs> <laughs> tell them the Don't... name of the next character. Only three season one. Shut your face holes. Oh, it's just like just like complete. You just drop a complete nuclear bomb on them just because they're like they're like I have a virus. Don't click on my. You're like oh yeah. Well, bam. Then <laughs> <laughs> Carl Drago came back as a White Walker. <laughs> Watch season one. I have. Yeah. Can't fool me though. I, I, I'm pretty sure. He's got his own show now. A new show. Suzanne tried to prank me. I left my phone alone for two seconds. Came back and the, one of those cracked phone image apps was on. Oh, wow. yeah. But the problem was like I she kind of got me because I wasn't like, ah, oh, shit, my phone is cracked. I was like, ah, oh, shit, something must have installed this on me. I have <laughs> malware on my phone. <laughs> so she's like uh, later on, she's like, did you notice your phone was it's like, did you put that on there? I'm like, yeah, she goes, no, I, I thought I got you. I'm like, no, you got me. I just for a totally different reason that you were expecting. <laughs> so, Pat, where are you going this weekend? I want to know about this. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> Tell us. Uh, I'm going to New Orleans this weekend because WrestleMania 30 is in New Orleans. Yeah. Hosted by Hulk Hogan. That's what I'm most excited about. I was a big Hulkamaniac when I was a kid. You still are. Can you rip off your shirt? He does. Well, can I? I yeah, I was going to say. Every, time, every night I go to bed. <laughs> That's how he starts his comedy stand-up routine. <laughs> now, you said this is your first time going to the city? Yes. Uh, I can tell you, do not wear black clothes if you go to Café du Monde for beignets. You will look like you are attempting to smuggle cocaine. Because <laughs> a small bag of beignets has about a pound and a half of powdered sugar. Damn. Uh, yes, I learned this the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> my recommendation, Pat, is just don't go. It's a horrible city. I literally, I, it's my least favorite place on the planet. Uh, Seriously? You didn't yeah, like it? Oh, I've been wow. there. I hated it. I, keep, di- I did not like it. Keep in mind that he... more than, I was say, I've been told by more than one person that I would, I'm going to love New Orleans. Yeah, I, 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 he didn't like the Mothman prophecies, so <laughs> I, just keep that in mind. It is is probably my third favorite city on the planet, however. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to love it. Yeah. yeah, so if Pat's not on the show next week, if you live in New Orleans, help us look for him. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, good advice, though. It's not like uh, Chicago or most other cities in the United States where there are, like, good neighborhoods and bad neighborhoods. You will literally have, like, firebombed buildings on one block and, like, mansions on the next. It's true. Oh, and you'll get rocks thrown at you in one block and get uh, beads for your boobs on the next. Yeah. that That is one thing that's really weird is there that there's not good neighborhoods and bad neighborhoods. There's good blocks and bad blocks and absolutely no rhyme or reason. Weird. So you kind of got to stay to the touristy areas or be accompanied by a native. How, how is there so much foot traffic then? Because you'd think people would like, you know, want to just kind of go from house to house. Mostly people uh, stick to, to the them. French Quarter. 
down Bourbon Street, and you can you could spend your entire trip in either Jackson Square, Bourbon Street, or like some of the individual satellite areas. Like I, I went to see the D Day Museum. Uh, Ooh, I, just, I love the city. You got a Josh? Isn't one of your pictures in the um, in the Ghost Hunters uh, Museum down there? Uh, we yeah. When uh, I was with HauntedChicago.com, technically I still am, uh, though we haven't done a paranormal investigation in years. Uh, we met up with a local. In my house. <laughs> yeah, that, actually, that may have been our last official investigation. Was with uh, you. <clears throat> um, but yeah, we had. Is, is that a ghost? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that, that's going to be the twist of the last our last podcast. <laughs> I've been dead all along. Dum dum dum. We're dead, and this is really your voice. <laughs> The secret of Mr. No-No's. Anyway, you were saying... We did get to meet up with a local folklorist at the Voodoo Museum who knew our work here in Chicago. And uh, she got us into not only uh, St. Louis 1 and 2 cemeteries after hours, but there was another cemetery, historic, that she was the caretaker of. She had the key to. So we got like a nighttime tour, just uh, like myself. And you guys know Mark? Nope. Well, I'm sure you've met Mark. Nope. That's really cool. But yeah, um... Yeah, and we almost uh, got a deal with the city of New Orleans train where we'd give a presentation on Ghosts of Chicago, and then ta- they'd take the train down to New Orleans, and she'd give a presentation on Ghosts in New Orleans. So nice. just fell speaking, apart at the last minute. Speaking of things that make us jump, Pat, didn't you have another story about last week, last Thursday? Shut up. Yeah, he got his hair cut. <laughs> <laughs> did. He got his hair cut, and then he went, he got a shave, and he went down and he got a straight razor shave to get it, like, really closely cut. And so he's got a new haircut, he shaved off his beard, he's got a clean face for the first time in God knows how long, <sighs> and he's feeling good, he had a nice relaxing day, and he gets home, and get this, every time he walks past the mirror, number one, he doesn't recognize himself, and number two, he looks just like his dad, so he keeps freaking himself out and jumping back, like he's like, hi, jump back, kiss himself. It's really weird. Right, Pat? Shut up. He told us that story last week and again this week. Uh, so this story will happen again later in the show. So if you didn't hear it this time, wait for the, uh, the rehash. Know. I thought you were going to throw a twist on there. Like when he walks past a mirror, he sees Richard Gere. That'll be later. <laughs> All right. That sounds like a changeover. This week in music, movies, and TV. All right, so this week, Patrick did these, so I don't know where we're going. <laughs> All right, movies. They're very vanilla. <clears throat> very vanilla? Yeah, Well, are. you are. Um, Once Bitten was number one at the box office. Really? In 1985, yes. In 1985. Not a lot out that year. Yes, and uh, followed well, by... Who made your debut was that, Once Bitten? Tim Carey. There you go. Was it really? I thought yep. Rubberface was. Don't well, believe a two dollar cut up in. This was the first movie he was ever the lead in. Oh, okay. So anyway, followed by King Solomon's Mines, <laughs> the awful King Solomon's Mines. <laughs> yes, hey, the incredibly dated King Solomon's Mines. You know, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I know it's a terrible knockoff of Indiana Jones movies, but since there were only three Indiana Jones movies, I got to take what I can get. Four. Uh-uh. Three? No. Three. Doesn't count, man. <laughs> not, not going counting, there. <laughs> you're not counting the fourth one? We are not counting the fourth one. I'm what's, sorry. What fourth Indiana Jones movie? Yeah, you, I, Joel, <laughs> keep saying something, and then I hear static. Are you Are you telling me that there's going to be a fourth Indiana Jones movie? <laughs> there's going to be a fifth one. 
what? They're making a fourth one? Speaking of what I thought they were going to do with a fifth movie. Dude, uh, they've... Oh, oh, hey. Back, Back to the Future has been officially cast. What? Are we doing that? Yep, with Shia LaBeouf. Oh, oh, shut up. Fuck. I'm not kidding. Look it up. You'll I refuse to believe this because I'm it is April 3rd. No I think I've it's still carrying it. over. Yeah. All right. Look it up. Patrick, I have better news for you. Yes. Okay. They remade King Solomon's Mines. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. Starring, no, even better, Patrick Swayze, baby. <laughs> and, <laughs> nice. and Allison Duty. Oh, yeah, she's she's attractive. Is that Howdy's daughter? Yeah, Duty. She's got wood. She was in, oh, it was the um the Russian, the blonde Russian, or German chick in uh, Indiana Jones, Last Crusade. Duty. Yeah. Oh, nice. The third movie in the quadrilogy. Trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Wait, when, when is this? Because I, I actually, I see the poster for it, but is this something that's... <laughs> Wait, uh, 2004? South yeah, Park we gotta find this, man. Dude. Yeah, make you guys sit through King Solomon's Mines again for the sake of radio? Yeah. No, no I'm not doing it. <laughs> no, then we'll watch Romancing the Stone. Okay. I'm sick that week. I can't make it. I got, I'm busy. I'm out of town, whatever, something. He's getting his hair cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gotta slop the hogs. Gotta hey, the remake has Roy Marston in it. Eh? <laughs> That's your selling point. That's how bad that movie is. Now, King Song, there was another one. Initially, I thought, because I remember renting, uh, back when there were video stores, there was, we, around when King Solomon's Mines came out, and we, my family went out, we rented a movie, and it was kind of adventurous, but there were a lot of boobies. And I remember. Yellowbeard? No, no, it was like, it was like one of these, like, adventure type, like, uh, running through the jungle type movies. And I know we rented it and took it home, popped it in there, and I think I saw maybe ten minutes of it, which a good six minutes of that were the introductory, uh, were the, the credits. Romancing Hard, the Bone? Hard Ticket to Hawaii. <laughs> no. Was it an Andy Sedaris movie? <clears throat> no. I wouldn't, I don't remember, but that's what I thought this was initially. I'll, I'll keep looking. Patrick, what's the, what's the uh, music one? Cause I know you're a huge Starship fan. Oh, uh, well. I am a huge Jefferson Starship or Jefferson Airplane fan. Once they got to the Starship stage, you not so out. much. Yeah. I mean, there's, they actually, well, I can't totally say that because they had it. Anyway, I digress. We Built This City by Starship <laughs> was the number one song. And for good reason. In November 1985. For good reason. No reason at all. Yeah. Well, hey, that's such a good awesome pop song. song. It is. That's, that and that Sarah. Hey, it was the lead song from the movie Night of the Comet. <laughs> That that Which song is, is so it's so odd <clears throat> to me because like I love bad campy music, but yeah, this is know. like so like trying not to be campy and bad that it's trying to be rocking and it's just so bad. It's it's like that thirty eight special song rocking into the night where it's just like it's so it sounds like like just a corner band wrote this song and we're like yeah look how cool we are we're in our fifties and we're rocking out you know and that's what and 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 these guys are above that you know and that and that's what this song reminds me of it's yeah. like, and it was just it was made to sell albums it has no soul this song and it's just it's awful yeah well I found that movie oh the- yeah I actually saw Perils of Gwendolyn uh on a new uh. It was a Richard Coase. This is the Coase Zone. Yeah, yeah. This, but the thing is, this is this is what. Okay, for as of course, you hear that there's a hole in the Coase Zone. Wow, dude. And, and so then he got his hair cut, <laughs> and he went and got a shave too. Okay, was, shut up. Now yeah. I'm I'm posting up you guys a picture of what Perils of Gwendolyn's cover looked like when we rented it. <laughs> Oh, that's got to be good. No, it no. It's, that's a Tawny Katayan. Uh, oh, it's and she's in a starring role. Yeah, and the that's, director that's of Emmanuel. That should have been a key word right there. 
Yeah. I'm going to have to watch this again. Anyway, so let's Tony talk about Starship and how much from, we built the city was amazing. Yeah, from Go the ahead. hair metal. Try, try to defend that that point of view. Just try mm-hmm. to take that stance. No, Josh. Well, yeah, you know, usually I'm with you, Pat, on the, uh, like, everything Joel likes is wrong, but uh, this <laughs> this time... I'm I'm with Joel. I'm going. Yes. We you like the this city song? on rock and roll. I love this song. Oh God, it's so it's so campy and just manufactured and awful. It's like it's like the boy band of pop music. You haven't no. been paying what? attention to the chat where I've been trying to stall and get Mike to cue it up this entire time. <laughs> Pat apparently no, did my, not my, get knee deep in the hoopla. Like, Damn it. It's good stuff, man. A good pop song is a good pop song. Don't hate on it just because Starship doesn't do White Rabbit every going there out making music thing word in shape. There you go. You know what's even better is that the the cover for the um, no for their album is all like them silhouetted in neon. I had this on cassette. Everybody had this on cassette except for Patrick. No, I didn't. He had it on so, real for real. Now, I mean, there was a time when I didn't hate this song. Here it comes. Say you don't know me. Can't hear you, Pat. I don't know you. I recognize my face. I recognize your face. Say you don't care. Well, do that. I better, no place. I better stop that. Starship might get upset that we're playing their song. Be deep in the hoopla. Yeah, of course, they, <laughs> they might be. They might be excited that somebody remembers it. No, they. Everybody remembers it. I but mean, nobody. It, yeah, it's fondly. No, fondly. There's something wrong with you, Pat. Jane fondly. You, if that came on the radio, you would sing it. He does sing it. No, actually, I change the station every time it comes on. Seriously, liar. No, nope, that's what not about sure. Sarah. What about when Sarah comes on? I like Sarah. See, that's what I said. That's why I stopped myself and I said, no, they actually did. I mean, and and uh, Jane is actually a decent song by by the, the band Starship, but they were <laughs> much much better at Jefferson Airplane. I like how he enunciates it. Starship. <laughs> just to make sure there's no correlation with Jefferson Airplane. None at all. Starship. All right. TV. Dallas and Columbo were both number one at the same time. Is that what that well, means? Or was that like no, the I, first issue of Dallas Columbo? I couldn't find anything for the exact date. So like in November, those two were kind of in the top area. So Oh, Pat, it's yeah. April. It's not. No, you just said it's November. November. Yeah. The, the, this weekend, November 18th, 1985. I chose that week because that was the, the debut of Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, I thought you were doing like. Oh. Oh. I thought you meant cyanide and happiness. I thought you were just high. Cyanide <laughs> <laughs> You're both right. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that's why I picked this date, November 18th, 1985. <clears throat> oh, okay. And Sesame Street also begins its 17th season by introducing Elmo. In 1985, that's nuts. That is crazy. Elmo, uh, keep reading because I love that. I love that. In the same episode, the adult cast of Sesame Street come face to face with Aloysius. Aloysius? Aloysius. Aloysius Snuffleupagus for the first time since his 1971 introduction finally allowing Big Bird to show adults that he was not imaginary and please stop drugging me. That's because <laughs> Elmo was there. I like Elmo's cover album of the uh, Nine Inch Nails. Elmo fuck you like an animal. Elmo gets you closer to God. Elmo feel you from inside. Elmo's very creeped out right now. There's something you. seriously wrong with you too. Why? It's a Elmo good thing you. I have Tawny Katane's breasts dancing <laughs> through my head right now. Kevin Glass is what a about, nice boy. What about the rest of her? <laughs> Would you hand up my butt, please? <laughs> I can't do the real life. I can't. I'm, I'm running out of air for that one. All right. <laughs> do we? Hey, Josh, do we have any voicemails? We do not. We do not. 
we totally yeah, you, skipped, you skipped the over my last thing. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. Miscellaneous. <laughs> Mike immediately is like, that's sports related. He just shut it out of his <laughs> No, <head>. I... <laughs> Baseball may as well be invisible. <laughs> <laughs> Dwight Gooden, Brett Saberhagen, and Win Cy Young. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently they had him in a lottery, and now those two share custody <laughs> like, of Cy Young. <laughs> doing the news. That's a real Chai thing. Chai Rodriguez. <laughs> That's yeah, a totally real thing. It's awesome. Mike should be our official sports desk. <laughs> you just and put I'm... up sports headlines without context and make him guess what they mean, because his interpretation is awesome. <laughs> That's all right. I thought the da- the TV thing was Dallas and Columbo had an num- had an issue like a comic out. Oh, like, Columbo, he's like he's like here in Dallas. There's some weird things going on. Peter Fox trying to find out who shot Jr. Exactly. That's what I thought it was. Dallas Columbo number one, the ultimate team up this week from DC Comics. Oh, God. Bobby, pick up Dallas Columbo number one. It's only fifty cents. Oh, so he, yes. The uh, Cy Young Award was won by oh. Dwight Gooden and Brett Saberhagen. Okay, for my defense, the word <laughs> "award" is not on there at all. <laughs> I didn't think I needed. I, I didn't think I needed to like type it in longhand. I'm, I'm so glad you didn't. I know. <laughs> Pat needs to do that every week, and Mike needs to be the, the, I, the color. Yeah, comment. I'm, I'm going to just do random random facts and code. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You add sports to the this weekend, and I will. I yeah. will read it every week, uh, and I won't know what the hell I'm talking about. We've Dog, talked about happening. all sorts of things so far, but we haven't even told the listeners what it is we're talking about this week. Oh, Holy. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. We are talking about comics, and not comic books. We're talking about comics in the newspaper, comics. Sunday funnies, things that are funny in the newspaper, or. In the modern newspaper, because I, I haven't seen a newspaper outside of the bottom of a birdcage in a decade. Yeah, I have one next to me. A birdcage? Uh, no, they're in the lining of my bunny cage, but I've got a newspaper here because I bought it. And I meant to buy one and I completely <clears throat> forgot. Three bucks worth of ads, and that's it. <laughs> the rest yeah. is a little bit of news. I stole my neighbor's newspaper and then gave it to him later in the day. <laughs> Did you yeah. read the parade magazine, either one of you? No. no. I didn't know that <laughs> Prompt a magazine. I have the internet. <laughs> they have our computers now. <laughs> the paper. <laughs> Where are you going to get all your sports news from? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's what we're doing today. Not from parade. <laughs> How will I know who's got Cy Young? <laughs> Oh Jesus! I think we've lost him. Let's talk about comics. So wait before before we talk about comics. Yeah, let's talk about comics. We really do love to hear from you guys. And after all that, if you want to contact us and let us know uh, any sort of uh, sports facts and figures, uh, you can email (laughs) us. Cy Young is we are looking (laughs) for. He's like the Lindbergh baby. (laughs) (laughs) After 85, Uh, he disappeared. 40go14 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Look up 40 going on 14 and 708 now rap. That's 708-669-9727. Please call. (laughs) I'm I'm in my head. I'm thinking I'm like, we could almost do a new podcast where it's like an idiot abroad, but we just sit and talk sports with Mike. (laughs) I'm pretty. uh, Fuck you. (laughs) 
I'm not real smart to dance sports. Like as long as it's not, as long as it's not like kayaking or rappelling or any of the X game type things. Mike's not gonna know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> I was gonna say Mike is only getting shit for not knowing anything about sports because he happened to be one of those who spoke up who is not named Pat first. Right. <laughs> yes, I know. If it had been either of you two, you'd be getting this shit right now. Absolutely. Pat, he, uh, he got a shave and a haircut. <laughs> more than two bits. For two bits. But after he was done, he went home. And every time he walked past the mirror, he jumped because he looked like his dad and it freaked him out. Uh, he's realizing he's 41. <laughs> So anyway, comics. Oh, then oh, oh. we are we are we have done the November eighteenth, nineteen eighty five, as the date for our this weekend because, as Pat said, that was the first strip of Calvin and Hobbes. Um, Yay! We've all we've all drafted different comics that we have loved over the years, and in the drafting, we have pissed off Patrick and made him change his choice several times. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> oh come on! That kind of turned into a uh, the odd couple. No, this is your pickle. No, not if you don't want it. It's your pickle. <laughs> <laughs> we we got some. I don't we got seriously <laughs> heated over this because <laughs> we all wanted the same ones right out of the gate, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So we'll start it off. Joel, you drew Calvin and Hobbes off the off the top of the list. Yes, I did because somehow I got the big <clears throat> beginning of the draft. But um. Like I said, Calvin and Hobbes started back on November 18th, 1985, and I have to say, uh, still probably to this day, other than maybe the far side, which I did not get in the draft, incidentally, um, <laughs> Calvin and Hobbes is probably my favorite uh, comic strip growing up, and still is phenomenal to this day. Um, for those who are not aware, it is a comic by an American artist named Bill Watterson. For both of you out there who are not aware. <laughs> yeah, those of you who are not aware. It ran for 10 years, solid. Uh, with no merchandising, very little anyway, no syndicated comic or cartoon on television, no spinoffs. Uh, he was very true to his art and tried to convey that to the rest of the world. He was, he's a, he's a, in my opinion, he's a true artist. Um, and he's also extremely funny, very, uh, poignant in his stories. And if you've all seen recently, he did, uh, they kept, was making its way around the internet, his post about getting older. Um, that was, he did for, I think it was a, like a valedictorian thing, but, uh, it's really, really, it's amazing. But anyway, um, it is about a little boy named Calvin and his stuffed tiger named Hobbs. And he's the only one who can see Hobbs as a real tiger and they go on misadventures and everyone just sees it as a little boy playing with his stuffed tiger. Um, but there's so much more to it. And I think that's why I still enjoy it. Even though as a kid, I thought it was funny based on just the way it was written and what happened. But now I get even more what genius was truly behind, um, the comic strip. He's to this day. I mean, I, I think a lot of my goals and aspirations to be a comic strip artist are stem from Bill Watterson. Oh, He's a hero, personal hero of mine. So. What do you guys think? Well, I have to say one of the uh, – you guys, Josh and Pat, you don't have kids yet. But I have to say one of the joys is handing over the Calvin and Hobbes books to the kids and just to, and giving them those and going, just go read them. And then hearing the laughter out from the other room and you go in there and two of you – I mean, because I remember reading them when they were brand new coming in the newspaper. And I think my – the one that I honestly – I stopped breathing on had to have been the one where he's in his bedroom and he's got the dart gun and his dad busted and he thinks he's a monster – and he just shoots his dad up full of darts. There's something about Bill Watterson that he just managed to manage to grab what being a kid was like and yeah. just run with it. It was fantastic. And here's hey, all three of you, here's trivia. What are Calvin's mom and dad's name? They oh, never I said. know this. Oh yeah, they refer I thought that they referred to each other by name at least once. 
Uh, as far as I could tell, and as far as I've ever read, and when I was doing my research on it, they never were named, just mom and dad. Yeah, I have no recollection of them ever having a name. They don't. Really? There you go. It's pretty cool. And incidentally, um, I forgot to mention that uh, they, the names, Calvin and Hobbes, I'm sure Patrick knows where they come from. Yeah, religious uh, icons, John Calvin and um, uh, Henry, Henry Hobbes. I can't remember the other guy, but yeah. <laughs> the, the other guy. Yeah, I can't 17th remember. 17th century philosopher Thomas Hobbes. Yeah, you're close. There you go. Thank you. <clears throat> What's interesting about Calvin and Hobbes to me is that as I've grown older, I've become less and less impressed with most newspaper comics. Uh, I, I feel that... Uh, I've kind of moved beyond them, but Calvin and Hobbes lies in a special place where it might be the lone exception, including, to some extent, even the two that I chose for the draft, where Calvin uh, and Hobbes has lost none of its luster over the years. I go back and look at it, and it's still as good as it ever was, uh, even comparing it to the webcomics that I love now. Um, I, I can't say enough good things about how it mixes childish humor with... Uh, an unusual tenderness and depth for something you find in the newspaper. Well, and, and Bill Watterson, I mean, the artwork itself, I mean, sometimes the faces that Calvin make are extremely exaggerated, but then like he'll be in this space scene where he's imagining he's, you know, fighting, is he spaceman Spiff and he's fighting, you know, on another planet. And it's so super detailed that the man has talent, but he just, he uses it in such a way that uh, it's just amazing. And they were talking about, there was a quote that I found that I, I found particularly humorous just shows how smart the guy is uh, talking about merchandising. And apparently, you know, there's a lot of bootleg stuff out there. So he uh, at one point commented, said, and he said, I clearly miscalculated how popular it would be to show Calvin urinating on a Ford logo, you know, with <laughs> you see those and he's right. But the man has serious credibility, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. And one thing I have to I have to give for him is that he when he ended it, he ended it because he knew he was done. It's not like Dagwood still eating the sandwich. You know, he said, all right, this has been the run of it. This is I can't you know, I can't keep doing this. This has got to end. And I'm ending it because I feel like I can't do any better than I've done. And it's kind of like the Dick Van Dyke show, you know, how they you just go out on top. You're like, you know, I don't want to you know, keep dragging out the same crap, you know, and, and lose some of the quality. So yeah, I'd rather end it. You know? Yeah, that's I mean, Calvin and Hobbes, I think, honestly, is quite possibly one of the is or of the greatest comic strip out there. Well, yeah, there's there's a reason why it's it's consistently in almost every list of comic strips ranked number one of all time. I mean, it's just it's it's so well written, so well drawn. It's it's so clever. It's so I mean. It's one. It's my favorite comic strip of all time. I own all, you know, I, I own every one of the books from when I was a kid. I used to read them all the time. I, I, like somebody said earlier, you can still read them all the time, and they're still hysterical. They're still funny, and they're still poignant. And I can't wait to, you know, to pass my books down to my little niece. I mean, I, I love this comic so much that um, I, you guys remember my first cat ever, I named Hobbs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That bastard used to attack everything. <laughs> <Bastard>. <laughs> well, just to he attacked show. everybody but me on a consistent basis. I know you guys remember that. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the end of the run. Um, just so anybody who hasn't read it yet, um, do spoilers. It was the the three thousand one hundred fiftieth and final strip, and it ran on December thirty first, nineteen ninety five. And it showed Calvin and Hobbes outside in a freshly fallen snow, revealing and reveling in the wonder and excitement of the winter scene. And Calvin says, it's a magical world, Hobbes, old buddy. Let's go exploring. And they take off on their sled, and that's it. 
Yeah, and awesome. it's perfect because their 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 adventures never end. Technically, the way it concludes, I think, is what edges out the only other comic strip in my mind that comes close, which would be Charles Schultz's classic Peanuts. Mainly because if if Peanuts were to have done the same thing, I think Peanuts would occupy the top spot. But Peanuts became this undead monstrosity that just kept going well past its natural life. And now they're coming out with a 3D movie. Yeah, I'm not sure about that yet. And we'll never see Calvin and Hobbes, though. I have firmly, firmly believe that he will not ever agree to that. Now, if he, we, when he passes away, he dies, yeah. I was going to yeah. say, if he passes away and his estate <clears throat> does it, I could see that happening. But I really sincerely hope that they don't. Yeah. He's recently started uh, drawing again. Um, there was actually, he did the poster for a movie about, um, comics called Stripped. And he, uh, he, that's all he's done in most recent times. Hmm. So, shall we move on? Yep. I oh. think we shall. All right. Next up was my choice, which was Bloom County. Nice. Now, for as family oriented and as touching and as sentimental as Calvin and Hobbes is, Bloom County is on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Bloom County is. The, well, let's, I'll start at the very beginning. Its launch date was December 8th, 1980, and it ran until August 6th, 1989. Um, it was drawn by Berkeley Breathed, which is really a awful name. Yes. And, uh, <clears throat> who actually is a, the artist himself is actually very reclusive. Uh, doesn't come very much like Bill Watterson, doesn't come out too often. Uh, the most recent thing he's done is actually in the movie Secondhand Lions. He, he did all the illustration for the boy grown up. Uh, he became a cartoonist, and all the, all the illustrations in the movie Secondhand Lions were done by Berkeley Breathed. Hmm. If you're going to be reclusive, you want to make sure you come out only for like major things like you know Secondhand Lions. Well, it was a good right. movie. Right. It was a Michael Caine yeah. movie. This is the twi- a second time in two weeks we've mentioned it. Yeah, but Richard Gere wasn't true, in it. But that is not exactly. You know, <clears throat> I don't know. It's not exactly Godfather, Citizen Kane, whatever. Well, see, but that's the thing. It's like it's one like of those. It was, one of movie. It was a nice, nice movie. It was a good movie. I didn't. I didn't know this was the Secondhand Lions fan club. I apologize. <laughs> I, I, I take it all. You should yeah. read the door. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Bloom County haters <laughs> was uh, a story about a group of group of people living in Bloom County, all living in a boarding house that was owned by Milo Bloom's grandfather, who was the quote-unquote main character until Opus showed up, Opus the Penguin. So also Cutter John was a wheelchair-bound Vietnam veteran, and Steve Dallas was a womanizing uh, lawyer. And then there was Michael Binkley, who had the huge hair, orange hair, and of course, there's Bill the Cat, one of the facing up on the animals. Um, I had the Bill the Cat stuffed animal, which is really disturbing. Uh, not that I owned it, but that just seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, Bloom County takes place in, in Bloom County and it is just as ridiculous as you can, as you can expect. Uh, everything from aliens taking over to a court case about, um, about where penguins came from, about the evolution of penguins, to Gorbachev singing, and uh, Bill the Cat becoming a televangelist, and Hodgepodge, and them also, you know, Hodgepodge the rabbit, and Portnoy the groundhog, I think he was? Yeah, he's a groundhog. Groundhog. Uh, the point, my, my personal favorite out of all the books has to be Billy and the Boingers, where... Oh, yeah. um, where Steve Dallas got the idea to turn everybody in town into a heavy metal band, and the cool thing about that book is when it came out, it actually came with a record. 
<laughs> there was actually a music record on the inside that you could play, and it was a song that Berkeley Breathe had written and put together for the album, for the book itself, called We're a Boinger. But um, it was just as awesomely awful as you'd expect it to be. But Bloom County was just pure ridiculousness. Like Milo Bloom, this little kid, works at the uh, – he's a reporter for the local newspaper. And it seems like all the logic and all this is thrown out. As, and this is another one of those comics that I was reading it that just made me laugh my ass off every single time I read it. I love especially the Sunday ones. Um my favorite of all the Sunday comics, I have it cut out somewhere in one of my sketchbooks, was the um, was the one where Steve Dallas wakes up and calls the police because there's a seven foot tall banana in his kitchen, and he was hung over from having twenty three tequila fanny bangers the night before. <laughs> <laughs> and but uh, that I mean that one makes me laugh. The other thing is that uh, what Bloom County did with the merchandising Joel, well, it, yes. where whereas. Calvin Hobbs did none. Oh, uh, Peanuts did all of it. <laughs> and, and then you have, it, and, and I think they had a nice middle ground with it. They had the books. You can get a, the Opus stuffed animal, but never really went ridiculously huge. You know, he was on greeting cards and that sort of thing, but it never went stupidly out, out the wall, out, you know, over the top type stuff. Garfield. <clears throat> hey, hey, we'll get to that. We'll get there. Oh, that's a, that's a marketing behemoth. Yeah. The bohemoth. Bohemoth. <laughs> so, uh, after, after it ended, uh, Berkeley Breathe actually went on to continue with some more, uh, comics after that. He, let's see, he moved on and did The Outland, which came up, I want to say in the late 90s. Sounds right. I remember following, uh, following to his other works. Yeah. And then Outland ended and he came over and then went to Opus, where it was just Opus. And that la- didn't last quite as no. long. Um, he also did books. He has, uh, done The Last Basilope. He's, he oh, writes yes. children's books. The Last Basilope, A Wish for Wings That Works, was actually turned into a, uh, Christmas special. So he kind of traipsed over into the, uh, the world of Schultzdom. But, one thing that a lot of people don't know. Do you remember the movie uh, Mars Needs Moms? Yeah, I saw it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Based off of the book by Berkeley Breathed. Interesting. It was a kids. It was a kids book called uh, where you know the mom gets kidnapped by the aliens and they Disney got their Disney. No, was it uh, Disney? No, what's the other one? DreamWorks. DreamWorks. DreamWorks got their hands on it and turned it into. S- God awful movie, but it's based off of uh, one of Berkeley Breathe's uh, kids kids books. Okay, you know, cur- oh, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, I keep hearing you call him Breathed. I'm pretty sure the last name is pronounced Brethed. Brethed. I'm Let's pretty see. sure. I don't know. Well, you know. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Was there or was there not an animated Bloom County special? Yeah, I something? just said there was. Oh, I missed it. Sorry. Yeah, a wish, was- a wish for wings that work. Oh, I thought that you were talking about the book. No, yeah, the book, The Wish for Wings at Work was a book, and then it became a Christmas special in 91. But was it with all the characters? No, I it thought... was a completely different group of characters. He decided to throw all those out the window and come with a whole new one. <laughs> well, you just just know, shut your face hole. Wait, 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 correct, correct me if I'm wrong. You're wrong. But wasn't, wasn't there a character named Opus in the strip? There was. Opus the Penguin, who almost was not in it. He did was you o- mention that before? Yeah, I did. Hey, okay. did so I tell you when talk I about got, your haircut? Pat got his haircut. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I knew it. Jerk. You're the one who pushed that rock down this hill. Okay, so it says here that <laughs> twice Opus was actually intended to have a run of just two weeks, but after the uh, Sunday strip where Opus is asked is being asked by a Hare Krishna for money, 
with I I assume all you guys have read uh, read the comics, but the pair of pimples for Harry Fishnuts mm-hmm. that locked him in there, and he got so much reply back from that one on that he kept Opus as a uh, solid uh, solid character. Um, it complete, also uh, com- complete non sequitur on the show Scrubs. The janitor was only supposed to be in the pilot. They were going to write him out. Really? Mm. He, was, mm. he was supposed to be a figment of JD's imagination. He doesn't talk to anybody but JD in the pilot. Huh? Hobbs. Anyway. So. And one more thing, the last, is that there was actually a point where um, Bloom County was pulled from the newspapers for one yes. one strip. The Lola Granola becomes a radical Muslim slip strip? Uh, no. Okay, so then it happened twice. It did happen twice. Okay, and then it was oh. the Lola Granola one. Um, the one where they uh, get scabs and come because they're they all, during the, uh, the airline uh what are those people in the big tall box called? Like directed planes. Control tower? Uh, yeah, in the control tower. We're halfway yeah. there. There was a strike of the people that live up there. Why, why am I drawing? A, we're all drawing blanks here. I don't know. Called? What are those people called? There was a uh, movie done pushing tin. Yeah, um, the tin pushers. Air traffic controller. Air traffic controller strike. And after Reagan. Jesus, what, what, why was that so difficult? I don't know. <laughs> um, after Sorry, they got, after, during that, he actually did a whole thing <laughs> where this, where the script, where they, all, everybody in the strip, goes on strike and they hire scabs to cover them and there's the penguin from actually a uh a, a political cartoon that is takes opus's place and in the they're talking him through this and they like oh, this has happened this has happened now you say something witty and he screams reagan sucks in roughly 1980 want to say five eighty yeah 84 85 this happened so they many newspapers just did not run that one Okay, so that was that was actually Bloom County because the strip I'm referring to was one was Opus, so it was one in the '90s. Okay, and it was <clears throat> one where the uh, hippie girlfriend of one of the characters, Lola Granola, who uh, frequently jumped from fad to fad of the week, appeared as a uh, radical Muslim dressed in traditional Islamic garb. And uh, they were very uh, afraid that it would uh, offend uh, followers of Islam because this was not too long after Salman Rushdie had to go into hiding uh, from writing the Satanic Verses or uh, people got into trouble for writing uh, cartoons depicting the Prophet Muhammad. Wow, I'm looking at it right now. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would. I, as a newspaper editor, I think I would be hard-pressed to uh, let that one slip, too. Yeah, especially so, given what was going on in the news at the time. Yeah. So, there you go. That is Bloom County. All right. I guess we're moving to the far side. We are. Moving to the far side. The far side, uh, in general, was a single panel comic. Uh, there were occasional uh, spots where the panel would be divided into quarters to do a small storyline, but Gary Larson did the far side from 1980 to 1995. Uh, in general, uh, the strip is non-sequitur after non-sequitur. Uh, you've got situations proposed frequently with uh, animals who can talk, what would they say. Um, you've got nature, uh, biology, uh, not so much politics as you'd find in some of the other uh, comics we're talking about today. But uh, just general weirdness and a lot of stuff from childhood and a little bit of the grotesque. 
and he did lampoon a lot of um, like big historical figures by like you know saying that you know, some of their big discoveries or whatever like accidental and just make poking jokes at you know historical events and just random things. Like one of my favorites I remember is um, Einstein sitting at his desk all frustrated because he's got on his on his chalkboard E equals M C cubed and E equals M C to the eighth power and all this kind of stuff and he's all frustrated and his wife is cleaning in the background talking about how now everything is just squared away. <laughs> <laughs> Frequently, you'd see uh, some recurring themes, like different people stranded on desert islands, or you might see people in caveman times, uh, and a hell of a lot of cows. Cows. So many cows. (laughs) One of the, um, uh, he's posted as one of the most comics that he's gotten the most letters on about that they just don't understand it was cow tools. Oh, yeah. Sure. Everybody's like, what? Yeah, you'll, gonna... I'll post it. <laughs> yeah, images don't work on radio. No. Probably yeah, what... my favorite has got to be a bear sitting in the cave with the two little bears, and he's got hunter skulls on his hands, and he's going, okay, one more time, is off to bed. Hey, Bob, <laughs> think there are any bears in this cave? I don't know, Jim. Let's take a look. <laughs> I think my favorite is where the two uh, safari guys are, sit- are in the middle of the jungle, and the one guy's got arrows in his mouth. The other one goes, don't, not those, they're poisonous. And it's like, what, what is going on here? Because he's eating the arrow tips. Yeah, yeah, you know what? And that's one of the things that you can just say the punchline of these and people know exactly what you're talking about. Like, bummer, if I, bummer, bummer, bummer of a birthmark, hell. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we had one hanging up in the kitchen for a long time. It was one of the two spiders. There's, you see one spider facing away from you and one, another one has just come up on the other side of the web and he's got like a monster mask on. And he's saying, wow, I really scared you, didn't I, Frank? And then the spider who you see... The, facing away from you has got this huge strand of webbing coming out of his ass. <laughs> so, but I, I think I think my personal favorite one is the the it doesn't even have any it doesn't even have a caption. It's just a picture of uh the Midvale school for the gifted. Oh, yes. <laughs> and the door clearly says pull and the genius is just pushing on it like yeah. We had that posted on the door of the record store um because everybody always was trying to push the door and it said clearly on it in big bold print pull. <laughs> and they kept pushing, so we put that up there, and uh, nice. people still didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love this sh- this this comic a lot. I have a collection when I when I was younger um, that I, I actually found in a box when I was searching through my dad's stuff. He kept it, um, but of a bunch of comics that when I was a kid, you know, if I really liked them, I would cut them out of the you know paper and keep them. And the, probably a good you know sixty percent of them are all far side comics. Oh yeah. One of the, a, um, crap, what is with my brain, t- brain tonight? The, uh, woman who went out and Jane Goodall, the, uh, oh. the comic with the two monkeys where the one is the wife monkeys complaining that, what, what's this on your shoulder? This is a, ha- a human hair. You've been hanging out with that Jane Goodall slut, haven't you? <laughs> Apparently he got a lot of flack for that one. And, uh, many people were just, I mean, yelling and screaming and, you know, people claiming to be representing Jane Goodall and all that were um, replying to him and telling, saying how horrible he was until the actual Jane Goodall wrote him and said that that was one of the funniest things that she's ever seen. (laughs) Nice. Well, it's just so absurd. And I think as a kid growing up, for me anyway, it hit that sweet spot where, you know, Weird Al Yankovic is in your ear holes all the time. And here you've got this comic strip that is just enough left of center 
that if you're reading it, you're one of the cool kids, but you're still a nerd at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it holds up too, you know, like. Yeah, and uh, you can safely talk about it with your friends without them. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and it, it does. I mean, I've, I've gone back and read them still today and they still make me laugh just as hard. And it's just a simple single panel with one line of dialogue underneath in most cases. But it's just so genius in its simplicity. And I think a lot of my humor stems from reading The Far Side growing up. Yeah. All right. Didn't they make a cartoon for that one, too, though? They did a one-off cartoon, I swear. If mm. they did, I never saw it. Yeah, I, think, I, I, I think he's right. I think it was something that they tried like one season. I don't even know if they did a whole season. I'd seem like yeah, they I did. Uh, I know. I hear type, and I'm sure somebody else is looking it up, too. Yeah, I'm looking. Oh, on television. Yeah. Um, Gary Larson's Tales from the Far Side. Huh. And it just, it just nobody watched it for some reason. It just. I yeah, did. he did uh, in 1994. He produced an animated special, and he did a sequel in '97. Very cool. So we'll have to seek that out at some point and talk about it on the show. I have to watch it after Perils of Gwendolyn, though. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I forgot to mention when you were talking about Bloom County that um, I used to uh, I used to draw Bill the cat. Like I schooled myself on how to draw Bill the cat, and I used to draw him like incessantly. It was like a weird like like on. Um, Super bad where he draws all the dicks. I used to draw Bill the Cat all the time. Anyway, next. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, I, I blanked out when you said drawing dicks. <laughs> dick, 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 dick. We're not gonna get through all these. A lot. All 37? Right. Dilbert. Dilbert. Yeah, that's you, Joel. No, that's, that's not. Me. That's Pat. That's uh, Pat. Wait, which one did Joel talk? Oh, Joel was first. Yeah, I'll talk about Dilbert, but that's Pat. Yeah. Dilbert, um, created by Scott Adams, I'm sure you guys know that, uh, published in April 16, on April 16th, 1989. Uh, basically it started off as, uh, Dilbert, the character Dilbert hanging out in his apartment with his friend Dogbert, who, kind of like Brian Griffin, was a, uh, sentient talking dog. Um, and they just, you know, he would always come home and complain about his job and everything. And the comic really took off when suddenly he started actually going to, to work. And they st- and he started interacting with his coworkers, and they started lampooning office life, and everybody just and it kind of resonated with everybody. And everybody, you know, ev- anybody that has ever worked in a cubicle farm can relate to almost every comic strip that Dilbert of Dilbert that's ever been written, because there's, you know, you all, everybody always thinks they're smarter than their boss, whether they are or not. Everybody always talks about how their boss is an idiot, and more than likely, you have have, have had at some point an idiot boss. So. I mean, and, and you've always had the weird coworkers and the weird smells and the, you know, the, the fridge that has who knows what in it and, the, and all the strange people and the guy who has no social skills who works, you know, down the hall. And so, I mean, it, it was very relatable and it got, and it got very, very popular very fast. And I mean, it, it's been, it's been in several different forms. You can find it merchandised in just about every way possible. And it's just, I mean, if you've, if you've ever worked in a cubicle farm, any kind of office job, any kind of anything, <laughs> And you read this, and you haven't read this comic. You need to read this comic because you will relate to so much of it. Where do they grow cubicles? <laughs> <laughs> in every tall building in, in any city. Which Superman can leap over in a single bound? I heard. That's just what his PR man says. That's true. Yeah, I still have three of the Dilbert collections. Uh, this isn't one that didn't hold up quite as well for me, but uh, I, I still. Uh, can relate to the times that I worked in a job like this, this kind of soulless corporate stupidity. It's not exactly highbrow humor, but I mean, it speaks to anyone who's been in that situation and there's pretty good humor there. I mean, this is, this is one of the few comics out there that, um, someone actually got fired for putting up in their cubicle. What? <laughs> because really? there was, yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it turned into a whole legal thing, but yeah, the guy ended up, the guy got fired because 
the company was closing down, and uh, he posted up on he, he just hung up a big Dilbert cartoon where talking about how the bosses are um, a bunch of oh god what is the phrase uh, I can't think of, uh, a bunch of retarded lemurs or something like that uh, what um, where is it let me see if I can remember what it uh, I'm sorry I'm I'm completely you're forgetting. killing the show Pat. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> uh, drunken lemurs. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, and and they, they considered it to be very offensive and fired him so they wouldn't, you know, to, to try and keep him from being able to claim unemployment benefits. Well, it was all overturned and everything and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's an actual comic that got somebody fired. Wow. Yeah. My favorite one, one of my favorite jokes from the, from the whole run of the series was when the, um, when the boss came in and, uh, whenever they lampoon the boss, it's just really funny because he came in and, and he was all upset about something that he read on the internet. So he demanded that the IT guys print out the internet for him so he could scour it for more bad news. Print out the internet. I thought it was funny, but I guess not. Uh huh. Yeah. And then there was a time when he wanted a laptop, you know, and they knew that he didn't know what the hell he was doing, so they gave him an etch a sketch. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still going too. Yeah. He, yeah. he kept coming in with the etch a sketch, talking about, "Can you reboot this for me?" So they would just shake it and hand it back to him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did okay. Are you going to talk about the cartoon show? No, go ahead. I just I was waiting for it because I was a big fan of the cartoon. I uh, actually I, I saw, it. saw it. It, you can buy the whole series for like five bucks at Target on DVD, and I honestly will tell you, it's it's good. I enjoyed it. Chris, Larry, Larry Miller was on it, right? He, yeah, he played um the boss. Yeah, yeah, because I love Larry Miller. He's, he's Chris so. Elliott was the dog. Um, I forget who played Dilbert now. Uh, Kathy Griffin was the girl, whatever her name was. <clears throat> but it was actually a pretty clever and funny uh, cartoon, and they even lampooned uh, the ninety nine two thousand changeover. And uh, I I enjoyed it. I've watched it all the way through a few times, and it's actually it holds up pretty well. It was right around that same time as Doctor Katz and some of those how many, other. How many seasons did that run? Year that I don't remember. Or something like that. At least one, if not two, maybe three, perhaps. Yeah. But you, like I said, just run to Target. It's five bucks. It's worth it. Plus, you get to see his erect tie. <laughs> uh, Dilbert was played. By, oh, Daniel Stern. That's right. Played Dilbert. Oh, yeah, it had uh, oh, wow. two seasons. Uh, two seasons. <clears throat> yeah, nineteen ninety nine to two thousand. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty strong cast, really. I mean, even if it does have Kathy Griffin in it. And I'm still not sure why it was canceled. I mean, if you go on IMDb, it's got a 7.3 out of 10 rating, and it was well done. So well, it was just another know. one of those things that just, for some reason, nobody you know, nobody watched it. Like the Clerks cartoon. Yep. Yeah. I, I haven't seen it. Arrested Development. Same thing. You know, it's like, I mean, it doesn't matter how funny it is if people aren't watching. Firefly. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Speaking of not funny. Joel, you're up. I am. You can suck a dick, Josh. That's a um, great segue. So I was anyway, talking I... about you. I was talking about Garfield. Oh, well, Garfield. That's that's a whole other. By extension, here. you're you're insulting him. Yeah, because I I I. He's Garfield. <laughs> I was a huge Garfield fan growing up. Huge, and I have since turned over all my books to my kids, and my daughter loves Garfield. Like loves Garfield, but. And that's a nice feeling. I mean, she's getting to the point now where I'm sure um, Calvin and Hobbes would be more appropriate. But um, Does she first... hate Mondays too, your daughter? No. It was first published in 1978. It's a comic strip about a fat orange cat that eats lasagna with his stupid dog uh, sidekick, his uh, owner, John, who is kind of a lovable loser, I guess. And then you've got uh, other characters like Nermal and Arlene and his teddy bear, Pookie. And the, uh, oh crap, the vet. What's the vet's name? Arlene. Ar- no. no, Arlene's no. a cat. No. 
Yeah, Eileen's the, the Bucktooth cat. The girl cat. I don't. Uh, I've never. I don't read Garfield, so I can't. What, help. what was the name of John's? I'm totally not gay roommate. Oh, Liz. Oh, that was that, that was, wasn't Liz. No, Liz was the vet. You're you're going back to the beginning of the strip there. Because when it first started, it was about brother. Uh, was it John Boy, his brother? Yep. And then that spawned the U.S. Acres right. cartoon. Um, yeah, it originally was four main characters. Uh, I'm looking for it here to see if it said. He was Odie's owner, though. Yep. And it was given, they were given him as a person for him to talk to, and then they realized that he could talk to Garfield, and it was funnier. Um, but... Uh, anyway. Lyman. Oh, Lyman? Is that his name? I couldn't find it. I want... It just popped in my head. Good job, Mike. Um, so it, uh, set in Muncie, Indiana, which is where Jim Davis, the creator is from. It is quite the opposite of Bill Watterson's Calvin and Hobbes, whereas it has staying power. I mean, they're still making, uh, live action well, and well, the live it, action it, movies it are stays. Yeah. It's still, <laughs> <here>. <laughs> it's it, like herpes. It won't go away. Let's not confuse the two here. This is, <laughs> it won't. And that's the thing that just blows my mind because, and I've watched some of the recent CGI outings that they've had that are like direct to dvd and they are awful awful and it makes me sad because when i grew up garfield was like it was like a mainstay i had the garfield pencil topper i had a, a stuffed animal i had i watched all this the Meyer needs to stick to writing i liked the two movies i thought the two live action movies were surprisingly entertaining i they weren't great like they're not high quality like i'm gonna own the two disc special edition on blu-ray but I I appreciated them for what they were, I have, but I have no idea how they got Bill Murray to do that because he's Bill Murray. He's a whore. He's, no, he's a great not. man. Thing, he is not a whore. He he. I mean, he is so hard to get to do anything, and how they got him to agree to do true. that? I, what? Not true. Oh, well, okay. Then I guess he's a complete whore. No, he's not. He's a good guy, actually. I'm, I'm a, <laughs> he doesn't I'm even a have an agent. I mean, what? he doesn't even have an agent. You ha- he has an, a, a, a number that you have to call and leave a message, and if you're lucky, he'll call you back. That's yep. that's how you book him. I'm so a I fan. would say he's not exactly a horror. But again, the the opposite of Bill Watterson's I'm not going to do anything, Garfield's merchandising is earning anywhere from $750 million to a billion dollars annually. What? Oh, that makes yeah. me want to puke my eyeballs out. Because of merchandising tie-ins, the comic strip is still in syndication. I mean, it, I, I bought the funny papers this week, and it's still there. The books are still being printed. Um, Marmaduke is still there, too. Oh. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, as of 2013, it's syndicated in almost 3,000 newspapers. He's and a cat. He hates Mondays. Isn't that hilarious? And he likes lasagna. It's in the Guinness Book of World Records as the most widely syndicated comic strip. And that's, I mean, you got to give the guy credit for, I mean, he started out doing something called Norm Nat, and people couldn't relate to bugs. So they said, do something different. And he made a comic strip about a cat and his owner and... He pandered so successfully to the lowest common denominator exactly. that now he's sitting on a pile of money. Yep. Yes. Well, it's, the, it's the old, you know, the old standard. You know, you'll never go broke appealing to the lowest common denominator. But you know what? You talked about that how explains Jeff Dunham. Uh, good lord! You were talking about. No, I like Dan Dunham. I thought you were gonna. If you say Ron White, I'm gonna punch you. But anyway, oh, um, I like Ron White's a whore. He is a whore. <laughs> uh, you, you were talking about a comic strip that made you lose your breath, and you were laughing so hard that it uh, the, Garfield did that to me once. And I had, it did. There's yeah, so when, you dro- when you dropped the book on your head. No. Can I, can I ask you a serious question? Yeah. I'm not trying to. I'm not mocking you. I'm saying, what is your opinion of Ziggy? I'm not a fan. I, I used to read it because I, I had nothing else to do. Those are the same category, honestly. I, as far yeah. as like level of humor. To I me. mean, they're the they're the same timeline in my opinion. But Ziggy, no. Anyway, the the, the it's a simple. <laughs> I want to see a panel. Garfield Ziggy crossover. It's a simple three panel <laughs> strip where where Odie. 
I don't even know how to explain it. The, the end of it is, is Odie's got his face pressed up against the window. And for whatever reason, it hit me in that sweet spot that to this day, every time I see it, it makes me laugh my ass off. <laughs> and I don't know what it is about it because there's nothing to it. There's nothing really intelligent about the way it's written. There's no, there's no dialogue at all, I don't think. It's and it's just simply, yeah, it's just the perfect illustration to show uh, how a dog, you know, dogs are. <laughs> You're cracking up just thinking about yeah, it. I am. <laughs> Dogs are capable of making you laugh because they'll just do stupid things because they're dogs. And it just, it summed that up to me in one panel. And I don't know, if I could find it and show it to you, you'd probably they'd be like, that's not that funny. I'd be like, shut up and listen to We Built the City. Go get your haircut. <laughs> anyway, what do you guys think? Obviously, well, it's, you like, it's like everything in humor, though. I mean, there, there's still just a, in everybody humor, there's a level of, you know, uh, subjectiveness, you know. The funniest thing in the world to somebody else, you know, if you haven't gone through the same things and have the same experience, like, you know, you being a dog owner, me not being a dog owner probably wouldn't be as funny to me as it is to Yeah, you. but you were a cat owner. Exactly. So something with a cat would be funnier to me than it would be to you sometimes. This is about a cat. Uh, but I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just talking about situation. I'm not talking, I'm not talking, I'm talking generalities, not specific, you know. Uh-huh. I'm not saying that this specific, you know, Garfield cart, I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying. I, to, I enjoyed Garfield trying to, I'm, until I'm trying I, to agree with you is what's what's trying well, to happen. I, I don't. It, it, my mouth won't let me. I think is what's happening. I, just, I don't know where you're going because I'm I'm having a problem in my brain trying to agree with Joel on something, and it's just and, <laughs> and it's just shutting everything down, and it won't like let me process things properly. So. I'm right. done. Okay, good. <laughs> I enjoyed Garfield until I got like maybe the fourth or fifth book and I'm, then I realized that I had actually picked up the first book. <laughs> and it was, it's, it's, once you realize that it's just the same thing over and over again, then yeah. you're done. I'm done. Didn't like it. Hate. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. All I got. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Whoa. I have a lung full of pot. <laughs> That's not new. Just uh, like Garfield. Perfect timing. Uh, oh my god, that burned so bad. Ow. That's what she said after she got syphilis from Pat. That's not true. <laughs> Pat doesn't have syphilis. I don't. As far as we know. Yeah. So Mother Goose and Grim. Wait. What? Why do you? Why? Why do you dislike Garfield so much? That commentary's done. No more. I thought I made it clear. So, Mother Goose and Grimm came out in October 1st, 1984, (laughs) and it's still running. (laughs) That's going to be the big mystery. It's like, it's like, that's going to be our first unanswered question that we will solve in our last episode. (laughs) Yes. So, Mother Goose and Grimm came out in October 1st, 1984, and is, yeah. Still came out by is still out by uh, Mike Peters. No, I meant that's it for Garfield. <laughs> I don't want to talk about I'm, it. I'm not pushing Josh for any more info than he gave. Man, you've been around <laughs> right. him before. So and, and I, I, I mean, I know I never really read Garfield, so I don't really have much of an opinion. I never, I mean, when I did read it, I never found it funny, so I didn't bother reading it too much. Did it it's just one, it's just one of those. Honestly, it's just one of those. I mean, I only have like I remember I got it down to like maybe eight to ten comic strips that I would read, and if I was lucky, I would one of them would make me laugh. I mean, comics got real, real bad there for a while. So oh, they still are. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm just saying. So th- that Garfield was just one of them that it, in, in the litany of strips that I didn't even read. So yeah. I don't have anything to say about it. For my second pick, Mother Goose and Grimm is about a yellow dog named Grimm, owned by anthropomorphic anthro. That goose that can talk. Yes, that goose that can talk. Mother Goose. 
another one of those ridiculous ones. I, I, I liked this one. This was one of them that I did read. It made me laugh all the time. Oh, yeah. This one was another one that I, th- I, mean, I thought was hilarious. I mean, because it was, again, it's that absurdity to the comic. It's not the, and it, the jokes didn't repeat too much. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and like, I mean? and like, like, like Joel said with the, you know the dog thing, you know, talking about Opie or Odie. I mean, Opie, <laughs> the dog, <laughs> <laughs> totally <Opie>. Ron Howard. <laughs> <laughs> you know when he shot the bird. No, I mean, um, what? You know how how, how the it's just funny to me, like how goofy this dog gets grim. You know, I mean, because like the some of the faces, some of the illustrations, the drawings are just you know of him doing and saying things are just you know were just really well illustrated and very funny. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's still running. It is, had a, uh, CBS aired a Monday, Saturday morning cartoon show based on it. And, um, was animated by Steven Hillenberg, who went on to do Rocco's Modern Life. And here's one for you, Josh. Mm-hmm. Grimm had a cameo in Garfield Gets Real. <laughs> 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 so, I'm plotting your death. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just sitting at a table, and and but there was actually a lawsuit in this one, which is it's a fun one too, because in uh, 2009, which is you know still running, uh, one of the characters wonders if the Colombian crime syndicate puts parts of the body of Juan Valdez in each can of coffee, because the can says there's a little bit of Juan Valdez in every can of Colombian coffee. Uh, the Colombian Coffee Growers Federation sued the artist Mike Peters for linking Colombian coffee to human rights abuse <laughs> for $20 million. Yeah, not, not, not murder or pieces or feeding people humans, just yeah. human rights violations. <laughs> so, we don't care that you called us a murderer. Just, yeah, that happens all the time. We just don't put it in the coffee. Yeah, there's tons of people in our coffee, but you know, come on. <laughs> we don't so, do it. We do it very humanely. So, uh, Peters responded, the artist, by saying, I love Colombia. I drink Colombian coffee every day. <laughs> I don't mean to insult you. And it was be meant to be read along, uh, with the other comic strips that week. And one in actually had a, uh, refer- reference to the creator of Pringles potato chips containing the ashes of an, of uh, the inventor. So there was what? like a, a par- well, since sometimes they do that. What? 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 Pr- the Pringles, well, the, the, the inventor was actually buried in a Pringles can. Um, they, if you pay attention, the newspaper comics occasionally will do this where all the art, all the, uh, comics will, uh, the cartoonists will call each other and have a theme for the week or they'll cross. So now, well, we'll talk about it after the break, but now they're crossing over characters too. So that's all I got. All right. So are we moving on to Mr. Baffo? We are. We are moving on to Mr. Baffo. Mr. Baffo is one of, uh, Joe Martin's creations. Uh, Joe Martin started uh, Mr. Baffo in 1986. It's uh, one of several uh, comic strips Mr. Martin uh, made, including Willie and Ethel, and I actually think it's his best. Um, Mr. Baffo and his Wonder Dog Wiederman are kind of an everyman Joe blue collar, but uh, they'll show him in various situations with no sort of continuity. Uh, he might be about to be executed. He might be far in the future. He might be getting attacked by monsters, he might be homeless, he might be rich. Abducted by aliens. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. On the moon. <laughs> um, some of the recurring features that I especially like uh, read to me a little bit like a short-form improv games, like you might see on Whose Line Is It Anyway, where it's like a P- uh, most easily impressed award. And then he'll show a whole bunch of people standing in awe of a radio. And that was only a test. 
or he constantly did the uh, people unclear on the concept. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where they- <laughs> One of my favorite ones of, of the people unclear on the concept was it, it was a police lineup, and you're looking at it from the, 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 uh, the police point of view, looking at the suspects, and one of the suspects is pointing in the room. He's like, that's her. I'd recognize that person anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> the two words you least want to hear from a hole in the sky. That's him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever really read this one. No. Oh, hmm. oh there's, a, there's a great one. One of the Sunday ones, you know, like the six panel ones where um, he's on the golf course and you could, he's, he's lining up a putt and you just start and you start reading his inner monologue where he's like, Oh man, only six inches away. I'm six inches away from two million dollars. I'm gonna win this whole tournament. All I gotta do is sink this putt. All I gotta do is it's just six inches and, and the words start getting bigger and bigger. He starts getting more excited. And next thing you know, the last the very last thing you just see him taking a big old swing and it's like thwack and the ball is just <laughs> gone. <It's> like, <laughs> I liked his art style. Yep. Yeah, uh, I posted the photo to you guys earlier, but I actually jo- met Joe Martin. I'm pretty sure it was at Gen Con back in 96. And I picked up uh, the compilation of the first decade of his strips with the Sunday strips with the big uh, Mr. Boffo t-shirt with a quote on it. And not only did he sign it for me, but he uh, drew on the inside a cartoon of me uh, with Mr. Boffo kind of standing behind my left shoulder looking over with a uh, Wiederman right under Joe Martin's signature. Yeah, that's so cool. you got to put that on the page. Wiederman's a great name. <laughs> Wiederman. Wiederman's basically a mushroom with two dots in a circle. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because it, just about everything else is fairly highly detailed. Yeah, Wiederman's always like this white lump in the corner. Right. And, and you'll have like grungy cowboys and then the, the large-nosed, mustachioed Mr. Baffo himself. And he's usually married to the pretty blonde Nadine. And then there's just this little mushroom that is apparently his dog. Occasionally the Wiederman talk, too. Like we talk to other animals. I remember that. No, I don't. I don't remember that specifically, but I believe it. <laughs> All right, and then Pat- yes, Patrick. Yes, this is a cartoon called Baby Blues. Um, I don't know. Are you guys familiar with this one at all? Have you ever heard yeah. of it? Yeah. Okay, because. It seemed like during the draft, you guys didn't really know what it was. So No, we were um, surprised at you choosing something that had the word baby in it. Well, there's a story behind this. Um, this this is actually uh, co-written by two men, uh, Rick Kirkman and Jerry Scott, based on their experiences as being uh, part of a family, being fathers to little children. Uh, started in 1990. Uh, the first comic was actually the, de- the delivery of the birth of Zoe, the child of uh, Daryl and Wanda, the two main characters. Uh, so the, the cartoon started off as just the two of them as brand new parents bringing you know zoe home from the hospital and it just kind of it's it's a it's a fun cartoon and it's it's a slice of life kind of thing and they do a good job of kind of keeping it uh serious but yet funny every time you know like the father's kind of a little bit of a bumbling kind of guy and the mother's just kind of frantic and you know the daughter's just got a really you know strong personality and it's one of those cartoons that the characters grow and they get older you know kind of it's kind of like a, you know, for better or for worse, or like a, a funky winker bean or any of those. Oh, but it's, Jesus. It's like, no, but we're not talking done. about. 
but mm-hmm. actually funny, you know. So, I mean, and that's one of the interesting things about it to me is like, you know, when I realized as I was, you know, younger reading this, that the, that the characters were getting older and then they added another, you know, another kid, um, Hamish, the, the, the son came along, you know, and then they had another one later, you know. So that it's, it's, you know, the kids are getting older and, and the humor's changing a little bit and it gets a little bit funnier. And if you're around kids, you can really relate to some of this. And I, I spent some time, you know, with my, with both of my nieces when they were young and it's just, you know, it's kind of funny to me, but I mean, the bittersweet part of it and part of the reason I chose this, um, is because it, it does actually, cause when this cartoon started, um, I was, I was 18 and I basic, I basically, um, I basically kind of saw myself in this cartoon. This was the life that I thought I was going to be having eventually. And so it's like I read it thinking like, oh, this is funny and it's going to kind of prepare me for things that I can understand what life's going to be like later and blah, blah, blah. And maybe I'll have, you know, I'll have the kids and I'll have these same kind of experiences, but I can look back on it and say, hey, you know, this happened. And, you know, it's kind of and it was just kind of like, you know, putting myself in the characters, you know, and, and that never happened. So, that's but really anyway, sad, that story. <laughs> <laughs> But that's what I said. That's, that's kind of the bittersweet part of this cartoon. Because I mean, I still read it, and it's still funny. But it's, I mean, it's like an ulterior, you know, an ult, you know, life where if I had chosen a different path, you know. Wow. And on that note, <laughs> I, I mean, it, I, it doesn't have to be a depressing thing. It's not really depressing yeah. to me. It's just you know, it's, I, you know, it's, it's a life that I thought I was going to have that I didn't. That's all. All right. Uh, but if, I, if you guys haven't read it, I do suggest check it out because it is it is pretty funny. I have uh, I have read Baby Blues, and there is one thing that I really have to give them credit for is that one of the things I like most about web comics, which we'll talk about after the break, is the consistent development of characters that are allowed to go slow form, whether you're talking three panel, uh, lo- longer works, you get to see not only the artists developing, uh, their talents, getting better at drawing their characters and getting a more refined sense of humor, but, uh, web comics tend to do that where the characters evolve and change. And most newspaper comics don't. As you said, Baby Blues was the exception, where as time marched on for us, uh, time marched on for the characters. Right. And that was just one of the things I, I, I thought interesting about it. And unlike the other ones that did that, this one made me laugh, you know, and I, it felt a little more relatable. And I had to, I had to choose between this one and another one that I do find funny, but it is one that the time seems to stand still in. Uh, Sally Forth. You guys ever read that one? Yeah. I mean, that's, cause that, that's just, a, that's about, you know, a couple and their daughter and they're just incredibly sarcastic. But again, time doesn't even move. The girl stays the same age, like the entire time. But anyway, yeah. So I, I mean, I actually, I like this cartoon. Comic strip. Comic strip. Whatever. Anyway, cartoons are another show. <laughs> Either of you two have an opinion on Baby Blues? Never I like heard it. it. Having having children, I have read it. I have laughed and been in. <laughs> there's many times, uh, Pat, where I've been like, "Yes, I know exactly how that guy feels." <laughs> and usually, it's one of those with, with the complete chaos going on around him, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, or like, like whenever the kids are fighting, and he just like, ugh. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, and, and it, it did have a TV show for a little while too. You know, that ran for a couple seasons or for, hmm. for one season. I mean, there you go. Yep. All right, we we'll take a break. Yeah. Hello, everyone. We are back, and we are talking about comic strips now. Not comic books, comic strips. Things in newspapers. You know, those large pieces of paper that nobody reads anymore. So, well, some people have. Yeah. But um. No, we're uh, moving on to what the comics are looking like now. And uh, what do you guys think? I have, a news- I have a newspaper right here. I actually went out and purchased a newspaper on Sunday morning. When I went out, I got uh, a nice big black coffee, a bagel with cream cheese, and the Sunday paper. It was $3. Did you get a schmear? 
I did get some schmear with it. It is, it was, it, it was not nearly as fat as it used to be. It was, I'd say 70% ads, about 2% comics, and the rest was some semblance of news. And this issue, if you want to call it that, this Sunday's comics consisted of Peanuts, which was recycled from 1967, I believe. Uh, Garfield, which is says it? it's recent. <laughs> And it was not very funny. Let me uh, guess. He hates but. Monday and eats lasagna. <laughs> no, he's bothered by and Odie. I was, damn it, I was just about to say, and Odie does something that annoys him. <laughs> yeah, that's that was this issue. This issue. Oh, I've read that one. Um, the Wizard of <laughs> Id, some comic called Zitz, which was cute but not funny. Zitz, uh, Zitz actually could be kind of it, it, it's like it, it's all about um a turn you know a kid going through puberty basically. So yeah, uh, Rex Morgan. Rex Morgan is weird. Uh, I did actually read it because it looked like... Uh, what is that? It's, it's like, like a sci-fi serial. Looks like it's out of the 30s, but Rex Morgan is more like... Um, what's the name of the guy from Futurama? The space oh. dude. Who has, oh, who has no clue. Damn. Zach Brannigan. Oh, Zach Brannigan, yeah. I was going to guess Buck Godot. No, no Buck Godot is pretty... It has more clue than uh, Zach Brannigan does. Fair enough. Um, then there's Mary Worth. Good knows why that's. Good God knows why that's still there. What? I I just I I have a, a a page loaded up with links to all the modern comics, like the ones that came out today. You can click on them and see which you know online. Mm-hmm. I just clicked on the Rex Morgan one, and it's like it's like not even a thing. It's just like it's it's two people sitting and, and having coffee and having a conversation about going to the doctor. How so is that? Pretty much just like Apartment Three G. Yeah, yeah. It's an Apartment Three G. Mary Worth kind of. What what is this? Like. <laughs> Well, I, I uh, the, like the un- second slice of life is all it is. <laughs> the unfunniest comic was called Snuffy Smith. Barney Google and Snuffy Smith. That has been around forever. Yeah. I literally wanted to punch my teeth at it. It was so dumb. Uh, Blondie is still around. Willie and Ethel, which I did not appreciate. Yeah, uh, and Ethel's bad. Tiger, Foxtrot, which was mildly humorous out of the bunch. Oh, uh, yeah, Baby Blues, which was here. I didn't realize that's what I was reading, but I, that one I actually thought was kind of funny. Um, yeah, the family circus still exists, although the mom has a short haircut now because she's stylish. Beetle Bailey. I, I remember when that happened. There was a, it was it an was a big deal. Item. Like, yeah. Oh, my God, the family circus the mom is changing her hair. I was like, who was fucking a, cares? And you know what they did? It, it, Bill Keen just went back and just changed her hair in all the old comics, and they just reprinted all the old ones. With the new hairstyle. They're like, look, it's new comics. <laughs> yeah. It's, that might be a true story. I don't know. Uh, Dilbert, which I did not find funny for uh, this particular issue. For better or worse, something called the Middletons, which was completely awful. Rose's Rose. Get Fuzzy, which was very humorous. I like the art style. Get Fuzzy I like is fu- I like that one. But see, I that's another one that trapes on the ridiculous. I yeah. forgot about that comic. That is, that is, a, funny com- that is a funny comic. I appreciated that one. Uh, Hagar the Horrible. And then Grin and Barrett, which Grin was obviously Barrett. it's a far side. Both of those aptly named Hagar the Horrible and Grin and Barrett. Grin and Barrett is kind of far side-ish if uh, it was drawn by Bill Keen or drawn done by Bill Keen. Yeah, Grin, Grin and Barrett has that you know you know that kind of sense of humor that was in like the Playboys from the nineteen seventies. Yeah, right? that's what that's what Grin and Barrett. Oh, is. okay. Like I said, it's it's like the far side if it was done by Bill Keen. Where every time you read one, you can in your head mentally just go, wah, wah. <laughs> but, but I I have to say, for an entire issue, I'd say Get Fuzzy was the only one that I would probably go back and read an, a different day. And then that, the rest I could have left. 
Yeah, I, I remember actually buying a Get Fuzzy book once. I mean, because that's that that comic that comic is pretty funny. <laughs> one of my favorite ones of that one actually was um, I, th- I think I showed this to you, Mike, because it made me laugh so hard. Uh, um, it was just a picture of the dog and the cat, Scratchy, both standing in the kitchen, and just it it, it was a one panel, you know, three panel one, but it was just the size of one panel. It was, and the kitchen was just everything, just dripping with stuff. <laughs> and the cat the cat says to the dog, he's like. We shall never speak of this thing called instant pudding again. <laughs> I do remember that one. <laughs> uh, when no, it's no. I get get fuzzy is is pretty damn good. I like yeah. that one. I, I would have actually. I would have liked to talk about that one if I'd remembered it. It's a funny cartoon. So I guess there is hope Comic, for sorry. modern comics in some regard. I mean, yeah. they've, they've always kind of been like maybe only twenty to thirty percent of them were funny, but it just seems like. So much more. It's like it's like less than that. It's like fifteen to ten percent of them are funny now. Well, and I think that's kind of because of the restrictive nature of the syndication system, and uh, that a lot of the new talent just realizes that it's better to put their content up on the web where they have complete creative control, control over the marketing. Uh, they are not beholden to some syndicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, syndications where the money is at, but I mean, you have to be so toe the middle, you know, to to get to that point. <clears throat> oh, that's one I completely forgot about, Monty, uh, which is originally oh, yeah. uh, a Robot Man. Yeah, that's pretty funny too. Yeah, and Pearls Before Swine. That one has its moments. Yeah, that does too. There's, I mean, there's a lot. There are good ones out there, but. There's it's, just so many bad ones. It's I mean not not even so many bad ones, but so many ones that should be dead now. Marmaduke should not be running around anymore. Hey, after the movie, Dennis like the that. Menace needs to go away. Nancy, Broomhilda, Nancy, Sh- Kathy, Shoe, Kathy still around? <laughs> is Kathy still a thing? Kathy apparently uh, is still a thing. Oh, Shoe! I'd forgotten all about that stupid comic. <laughs> I'm a <grumpy> eagle. <laughs> I'm actually going to say Pearls Before Swine. I'm not a fan. No? And some of that has been because the author of Pearls Before Swine has been such a raging cock towards webcomics creators. So, like, I've read some things that he said. Oh, okay. What do you uh, say? And I don't like the guy. Let me see if I I can dig up these articles. What, do you got him in a box? What would this person have against it, though? (laughs) Let me see. That's what I don't understand. Is what would you have? He's got against- a giant chest full of things he doesn't like. Let me find this article. <laughs> Instead of a hope chest, he's got a hate chest. I mean, <laughs> seriously, what would you have against web comics? Yeah, there was a uh, big deal. One of the mo- more outspoken and more successful creators who we're going to talk about in a minute, uh, Scott Kurtz of PVP, has been representing or attempting to represent the web comics community in these. <laughs> organizations that are for cartoonists. They're traditionally for newspaper comic artists. And uh, the uh, guy who does Pearls Before Swine, I think he's Gary some. Let me see. Yeah, I don't remember his name, but I remember that uh, St- uh, Stefan Pastis. Wow, that was really close. Gary's pretty close. Uh, <laughs> uh, Stefan Pastis has had some pretty nasty things to say uh, about the uh, jumped up upstarts uh, of the web comics world, and I, I just really didn't care. Like, because they don't have, they didn't have to uh, dance around and do the get just to get into the newspaper. That's probably it. It just sounds like he's got sour grapes because he didn't think of doing it first. You know, well, the- you know what's funny about that is that when I when I started doing my web comic, and 
people were like, oh, this is this is funny. And I'm like, it's really not anything worthwhile. But they're like, you should try and get that syndicator, put it in the comic, into the newspaper. And I looked into that. And newspaper comic strip people make crap. I mean, it, it, there's no money in it unless you have a breakout success and, like uh, Garfield. And you can handle people telling you exactly what to do with your art. Yeah, that yeah. too. Uh, unless you're one of those, you know, the Watterson. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to be telling you all the time, like, nope, we're not going to print that or whatever, you know. So. so, you brought it up. Joel, you are the resident webcomic artist of the group. Want to talk about what webcom- webcomics are? Uh, webcomics are kind of like podcasts where the people... Uh, Except with pictures. Right. Instead of people <laughs> trying to get their stuff in print, they took to the web and created a whole network of webcomics <clears throat> that you can read online where they're doing their art. Not just that they're doing it on their computer, and putting it up like I did, people actually take the time to draw them traditional ways as well and put them up. I mean, there's no limit to what you can do with web comics, and there's something for everything, just like podcasts. I mean, if you look around, you can find something that appeals to your particular tastes, whether it's gaming or horror movies or, you know, having kids, whatever it is. There's there's something for everybody. And I stumbled into it kind of accidentally, which I've talked about this before, but... I was working at a cube farm, to quote Patrick, who incidentally got a haircut and looks just like his dad. Um, <laughs> I was drawn on MS Paint. I was bored uh, while I was working, and I was drawn on MS Paint. And I was taking a photo of our boss, our CEO, and drawing him to look like a pot-smoking pirate. And while doing it, I started drawing uh, caricatures. And I drew a goofy little robot. And for some reason, it kind of rang out to me as being an interesting drawing. So... I started drawing a comic, and then 10 years later, I was still doing it. Um, it's Sitting since, at the same desk. Nope. Uh, that job was about a year long, and then I moved on. But I, I don't, I mean, I don't do it anymore, but the, it's still out there, and you can still read all the old issues. And, I, you know, I'm proud of it. It's fun, but compared to some Mike, of the other stuff, what's that? I, I was, was going to say, I thought Mike meant you just stole the desk and you left. I did, actually. Um, compared to some of the other stuff that's out there that we're going to talk about in a minute that some of you guys have brought up, um, I mean, there is some amazing stuff out there that is 10 times funnier than anything you will ever read in the newspaper. Uh, and it's, it is, it's like the, it's the, everything's about grassroots these days and web comics are kind of the same thing. Um, so if you want to check out my comic, Gregory, the really anchor robot, you can find it at gregoryrobot.blogspot.com. Okay. What are we talking about now? Why are you guys laughing? No, oh, Jesus. I talked about web comics. Somebody else take the ball. Run with it. I'm sorry. I had to mute my mic because. Jesus Christ, Mike! Why would you? <laughs> what? What? I'm not on check, Facebook check right now. Face. Yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah he, don't. He just do sent this really That's retarded n- picture in the middle of your of your, of your discussion, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to laugh like that, but I, there are a few titans of the web webcomic world. We I talked about PVP. There's of course Penny Arcade, and probably Sluggy Freelance is the Dean? other. If you're talking about the big three, is that Dean? Dean. I'm sorry. No, that's not Dean. Okay. <clears throat> um, who would? Okay. What you said with the uh, with the webcomics? You got Penny, Penny Arcade. Penny? Yeah. Uh, PVP. And, and I would call Sluggy Freelance probably the third largest, which is actually huh. on on its way to uh, an end right now. Wait, you wouldn't say Cyanide and Happiness? Oh, I'd say Sluggy is way bigger than Cyanide. I've and never Happiness. heard of Sluggy. I've never heard of Sluggy either. Oh, that's that's amazing to me, considering it's been around since. I think they're on how many years now? Uh, uh, let's see. Well, they've been around. It says first nineteen ninety seven. 
They got me beat. Yeah. No, I haven't. I have not read uh, Sluggy Freelance at all. Nope. Never heard of it. I'm gonna um, look it up now, though. <clears throat> yeah. Eight. Yeah. First comic looks like it was eight twenty five ninety seven. Wow. Uh, and that started in a very simple place with like two friends playing video games, kind of penny arcade ish. Uh, eventually, they got a psycho pet bunny and uh, played around with demon summoning. And now it's got this incredibly complex plot involving time travel and gods and demons and evil books and witches and pirates. Uh, Huh. Just the mythology behind it uh, as it meanders explaining different parts of the sluggy verse. Why why the pet mini-lot bunny is uh, incredibly destructive with a switchblade and hand grenades. Yeah. See, some of the ones I like, I'm, I'm going what my, what I have in my browser right now on my, on my save things. I've got PVP. I've got, uh, least I could do, which is becoming the juggernaut comic also. Um, Pat, you dig this one's about a, how would you describe it, Josh? Narcissistic, egotistical. Yeah, but he's kind uh, of got a, a heart of gold. I mean, he, he's, he's, he's a man whore. Yeah. Uh, that like was Pat. actually. Oh. Uh, least I could do was the uh, webcomic homework. I, I attempted to assign webcomic homework <clears throat> to the guys that uh, weren't familiar with it. Sorry. Least I could do was going to be assigned to Patrick and questionable content, which I guess I'll talk about because I actually spent uh, probably about four hours yesterday re-going through the questionable content, which is like a romance comedy webcomic about uh, people are into indie music. Hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan of Girl Genius. Oh, yeah. Phil Girl Folio's uh, Girl Genius. Another one that I have here is uh, Sheldon by Dave Kellett. And that's another um, That's another one that's been around forever. I like can't... Patrick. Yes, like Patrick. November 30th, 2001. That's the first uh, comic that he's, first one that he did. Um, then that one's about a multi-million dollar, uh, multi-million dollar billionaire kid who lives with his grandfather because his parents have died and he has a talking duck and a pug. Huh? And that's it. Duck and pug. <laughs> duck and pug. Uh, there's, but like Josh said, there, you know, you have so many different choices. There's, some of them are, one of the things that groups have, cartoonists have been doing is getting together in groups on the web. So you yep. have, like right now, uh, one of my most clicked buttons is a group called Hiveworks. Uh, is a conglomerate of a whole bunch of different co- uh, online comics going from one of my favorites is Womp, uh, listed as a gag a day comic that chronicles the real, surreal, and unreal misadventures of a fat guy who loves anime, McNuggets, and fears everything. Uh, it's, again, it's an, you want a specific kind of webcomic. You want something that's steampunk, type in steampunk webcomic. You will get dozens of them. Yep. Uh, manly guys doing manly things. That's yeah. That's on my uh, hot list as well. Yeah, that one is what happens to all these. What happens to Duke Nukem and Kratos and all the guys from the latest action video game or movie? Vi- movie, whatever. Yeah, yeah. What What do they do in their off time? And what uh. they do is they actually all live in this apartment building downtown and are. You know, taken care of there because they're special. They're special cases. Yeah, it started out where the, the commander, whose literal name is Commander Badass, 
was in charge of an agency basically to make sure that these guys can reintegrate into society and started out as gag of uh, gag a day where he would like find them temp jobs or would have them doing stuff around the office and has kind of moved <clears throat> away from that into just individual explorations of these overtly macho characters and putting them into various situations. I love Captain Canada. Yeah. Captain Canada, just this huge bearded dude wearing a, a red flannel plaid shirt, carrying an axe, and occasionally he'll kill a moose and cook it in the middle of the office. Duh, what so, a mess. And then oh. the other one I, I currently read uh, every week is I Am Arg. It's a, uh, a semi-autobiographical non-sequitur humor that uh, is done by Andrew Grigori, and it's ridiculousness. It's a lot of pop culture, comic, video game humor, all mixed in with dick jokes. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, Pat, you have you read any of these that we passed on to you? or um, you- I read the least I can do. I, I flipped through that I, <clears throat> uh, based on Josh's recommendation. I uh, tried to go through their archives because I wanted to just check it out from the very beginning, and their website is just... For the archives portion, at least, was just really poorly designed. Like you have to like click and drag it, and then like unclick it before you move the mouse back. And it's very sensitive if you go like too far, like to the top or the you know, you go like 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 a quarter of an inch off of you know pulling it exactly to the left or right. It just fucks the whole thing up. And I was just getting really frustrated. But you have anyway, such, you have so what did you think? Old, of you have such old man internet problems. <laughs> what did you think of that? No, that was. I mean, it was. I, I'm not. I'm, that's the thing. I'm not that picky. And it was ridiculous how sensitive it was. I felt like I was playing some kind of game. I'm like, come on, man! Like, this yeah, shouldn't be this hard to navigate awful. a website. It's like, am I trying to read a web comic or find the clitoris? <laughs> <laughs> I needed a cigarette when I was done. I know that when I finally got to the beginning. If I'd have known it was ten years long, that this thing had been running for that long, I wouldn't have bothered trying. Yeah, it's gone through a bunch of different uh, artists. Yeah, so but, I mean, uh, I noticed that it was very stylistically different at the very beginning, and yeah. it was it was all about just him. You know, it, it was mainly just all about him and his conquests, and and, and I didn't get far enough to see it start growing and everything. But I clicked through a few more, you know, here and there, and I found the one the the, the, the best way to navigate it. I found is to find the one page where it just has the storylines broken down, and you can just click on each one and follow the individual storyline. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot easier than doing what I tried to do. So yeah. yeah. So I've been reading a couple of storylines and, and, you know, and there's a couple of moments that are, that are pretty humorous and, you know, and I, I really like the way it looks. And we did have a chance at Gen Con to play the, the uh, card game based on this. And that was, it was actually pretty interesting, pretty fun. Yeah. Now, uh, you were talking about going to Gen Con. Remember the guy who showed up during our demo and shot the booth across the aisle with Nerf gun? Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's Ryan. Oh, that's right. Ryan. Ryan. Ryan yeah. Somer, the guy who writes comic, and Lar is the uh, the guy with the two tone goatee that was wearing the fez. Yeah, that was around the corner. And yeah, that's him. Yeah. I actually have a caricature of Suzanne that they drew for me uh, one year at the con, and you know he's a great artist. I love this style. Much better. I, honestly, I think he's much better than it was in the very beginning. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the art artwork had definitely improved. So uh, that was one thing. Uh, <clears throat> What I'd like you guys to do is go to questionablecontent.net, just right now, okay, and click on first, and then just get a look at the art there, and then click on latest. Yeah, that's, that is a, I know what you're talking about, Josh, and that is a standard thing for internet comics, is you get to see that change in style or ability grow as the comic paces. 
Yeah, and what I think is really interesting about this is it starts out as just a, like, indie boy making jokes mostly involving indie bands where if you don't listen to the Decemberists or stuff like it, you probably don't get it. And uh, he's got his little uh, mobile PC robot buddy, and he eventually meets an indie girl who uh, doesn't really like him or, like, pretends to like him or whatever and it gets into his romantic troubles and eventually the cast grows and grows and grows and the relationships between the characters get deeper and deeper and it does get a little soap opera ish but uh i loved seeing uh, i i sat down and read the first i want to say thousand comics yesterday Jesus christ and uh just watching the storytelling, the characterization, and the art style grow from the early, very basic line work with hardly minimal backgrounds uh, into something much more like the questionable content, which I read weekly. Um, my, my bookmarks include QC, PvP, Penny Arcade, uh, Sinfest, uh, Scary Go Round, Real Life, mm-hmm. um, Least I Could Do, Manly Guys Doing Manly Things, Order of the Stick... And a few things that I'm not sure I would say are necessarily uh, webcomics. I don't know how much you can get into mixed media before it stops being a webcomic anymore. Mm-hmm. So is, is is there some kind of like um, current uh, webcomic hub you go to to find these, or do you go to their individual sites? Or how do I you, think like- that I started picking them up uh, a little bit at a time on recommendations from <sighs> other artists. Like it used to be that artists would have webcomics that they are reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, off in like the sidebar and I would check a few of those out and follow the ones I liked and inevitably with projects like this some artists will go a couple years and then they'll stop updating forever or it'll get bad or whatever or you you just don't like creatively where it went yeah and then I, I, oh, well, and that's and that's the way I discovered most of mine too is like back when I was working for uh the game store a buddy of mine told me about Sinfest and he was like, don't pay any attention to the name. Just go start reading it. And I tore through, had to have been at least 200 of the comics of that one when I first started reading. I went from the very beginning and caught up in one shot. Um, and then, like you said, on the sidebar, you would see, hey, he's reading this. And that brings you to this. And next thing you know, your whole bookmark bar is full of nothing but web comics. And it's like when it's, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday are usually my days for checking them because that's when they update. Uh, but like right now, Pat, what's really nice for someone who's just getting into it is because, like I said before, is that they will get together and form these, uh, like I said, there's Hive Works, there's uh, Pixie Tricks Comics, which has things like Magic Chicks, Menage a Three, and something called, and Sticky Dilly Buns. There's a Project Wonderful, which is a webcomics uh, advertising network that yeah. uh, has banner ads that are pretty much just for webcomic artists to uh, pay to have their own comics uh, promoted on the pages of other webcomics. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's something that's very cool that you're not going to find in newspaper comics is people coming in and other comic comic creators helping the whole movement all along because once you have the you know the commercial syndicates you don't get to do you know it's like you're you're beholden to what the newspapers say right you know in the in the web comics 
you go to convention now and you go to the artist alley, like at you know, Gen Con or C2E2, and there are webcomic creators. They're sitting next to each other, talking, chatting, pushing each other's stuff. Cause it seems like the internet knows, the internet com, com, comic writers know it's all or nothing. Either everybody faces in the same direction and pushes together to make this an accepted media or it's going to go away. Now, here's another one that I, I forgot to mention before. Um, have you ever heard of sequential art? No. Sequential art. I don't even think I've heard of that one. Okay. No. Uh, sequential art is drawn by one of my favorite artists. His name, his name online is Jolly Jack. And this is a... That's a maneuver that I do. <clears throat> <A jolly. laughs> it never works. Yeah. So... <laughs> Triple uh, This is a guy who lives with a talking penguin and a cat girl, and has adopted a group of four squirrels that are scientifically advanced. They can build pretty much anything, and there's demons living in his basement. I like so, the art on this one. Yeah. Pretty standard. Yeah, I mean, but it's but his stuff is he does a couple other ones too. One spider and scorpion, which is ridiculous, and it's just as it looks like something that you draw on a napkin. But sometimes they're stupidly funny. And then he'll do a one called How to Play. And that's one where he'll go through and he'll play a video game from beginning to end and then just write about what it was like playing it. And he's, let's see, the first one he did was the uh, Xbox 360 version of Assassin's Creed. And he's done everything from uh, Bullet Witch, Alone in the Dark, St. Rose 2, Prince of Persia. And he's got all these different ones that he does little storytelling on on what he what he thinks about the game. His individual art is pretty damn good too, like a sketchbook section. So, there you go. Yeah, His website's upside down. Yeah, because it's still left over from uh, April Fools. Um, I'm also a large fan of the comic that started out uh, as an office comic and from a British gentleman named John Ellison called Bobbins, that had its a quirky cast of twenty-something characters. Uh, Bobbins gave way to Scary Go Round, where they decided that instead of uh, limiting themselves to the office comedy kind of Dilbert meets friends set in uh, Great Britain, they'd get more into the wacky hijinks of the characters. And eventually, uh, Scary Go Round became bad machinery, where you had like the younger siblings and cousins and whatnot of the main characters from Scary Go Round getting into their own adventures uh, and reframing the entire comic as basically three girls and three boys who uh, sometimes cooperate and sometimes compete to investigate weird things going on in the town of Tackleford in the UK, uh, solving various mysteries. Yeah, I haven't read the the sequel to it, The um, Bad Machinery, but Scary Go Round used to be a, uh, a go-to one for myself. Yeah, I don't know if you remember the character Dark Esther, who started out as basically just the gothy girlfriend of the boy. Mm-hmm. I do uh, remember. Her little sister is one of the main characters in Bad Machinery. Okay. Uh, her little sister's best friend, Shauna, who was briefly in uh, Scary Go Round, uh, is one of the other main characters. Okay. Uh, Patrick, for you, yes. here's one I found. It's called The Black Brick Road of Oz. <laughs> Yeah, that one's it's uh, it's on it's on Hiveworks and it's a retelling of The Wizard of Oz. What? Uh, yeah, what? see, and yeah, what? it's also done. This is it's also done by a Russian. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's what? Uh, yeah. No, I mean it's and it's pretty good. At what point like does it. at what point does a webcomic stop becoming a webcomic? Like 
uh, I don't know if you guys are all familiar with uh, Homestar Runner. Oh, yeah. Would you call it's it a webcam? I would not. Because it's a series of Flash animations, and they're, they're clearly more cartoon than comic. It, it, it's, yeah, that's the thing. Once things start moving on their own... You're saying one so, of the panels go away? Yeah, once the panels go, once it starts actively so, moving, I that's my line for it. Like tree fingers? I don't know tree fingers. Oh, God. Don't do That's frightening. Why anyway. would you bring that up? You mean salad fingers? Salad fingers. Yeah, not tree fingers. Sorry. Yeah, tree fingers, fingers is a song by Radiohead. Yeah, salad fingers okay, you can I'm find like, on YouTube. But it used to be, at least back in the day, when I first started doing mine, it was it was a it was a website for it. It was almost like a webcomic, but it was animated. Now, what about MS Paint Adventures slash Homestuck? I know that the, I forwarded you the link when we were talking about it. It starts out where it's mostly static images, but it gets into this multimedia thing where sometimes you'll have animations, sometimes you'll have games that are uh, involved in the process. There's a lot of mixed media. See, that's a thing that is that is unique about doing something like this on the on the web is that you're not restricted to just pen and paper whereas you would be in the old in the old newspaper comics you couldn't do a i mean the big, the most wackiest thing you can get in a newspaper comic is oh look at he put a word find in the in the comic today you know and that's it now with you know with flash animations with people learning javascript with all that other stuff and programming that you can do there's so much more i think that honestly if you have a comic and then i think there's like a media comic okay. is would be the next step up so like a a subgenre or a yeah, so there's web comics, and then there's like static web comics, which would be like the stuff on Hiveworks. Would be like Womp. Would be uh, Manly Guys Doing Manly Things. Would be a Scary Go Round. You know, it's a picture panel. It follows a traditional sense of the word of a comic. Well, then you've got uh, what I said. You have the media comic where it has the the quote unquote the panels, but then there's just that little bit of extra added in there. Like I said, where you've got the uh, with uh, what was the one you just said, Josh? Emma, the, uh, Homestuck. Uh, yeah, Homestuck, the MS Paint Adventures. When they start adding in the Flash animations and it starts building itself up from there where you are, quote-unquote, playing a game for, the, now, for would, that also. Would you call Homestuck a webcomic, then? It's in the genre of webcomic, but it's a sub. But it's going to be in. The, it's got the header of webcomic, but it's going to be a media comic to me. Okay, so I guess my question is because I, I understand that there's definitely a difference between Homestar Runner and Homestuck, and there's definitely another difference between Homestuck and say PvP. But I wonder where the line is when it stops becoming a webcomic and turns into something else. Well, and what is that something else going to be? That's the thing. Sure. I mean, you can say it's not a webcomic, but if it's not a webcomic, what then is what it? what the hell is it? Yeah. yeah. It's got to be something. And then I, the best the best description that I could put for it is media comic, because it's a comic that has media installed into it, where it's media as in music, uh, flash animations, graphics that move. Something happens on the screen that you are not controlling. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and occasionally you'll see that in webcomics where they will animate a single panel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's clearly something different. You're still talking about a webcomic, even if, like, uh, what's, uh, there's one in particular that does this a lot that is all 8-bit style. It's also in my bookmarks. Uh, let me see. Diesel Sweeties. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know that one. Frequently 
uh, have their 8-bit styled characters uh, have one panel where they're animated. See, but that's the thing. It's like it's just one panel, whereas Homestar Runner is, oh, God, I haven't read Diesel Sweeties in years. i got to go back oh, to this. it's still really good. Good. Um, yeah, if you haven't read Sinfest in years, uh, you might actually be surprised because Sinfest, I still love it. Uh, I, Sinfest is one of the more controversial ones right now because for the last, I'd say, two years, it's taken a very political, some might say social justice warrior, some might say given a positive or negative connotation. I'm not going to take a stand on that either way. That has gone in a more feminist, uh, pro-feminist direction as a platform for that particular sort of uh, advocacy. And the discussion of... Uh, Old Sinfest versus New Sinfest has been one that's been taking place online for several years now. Hmm. See, so, now, now you got me. You got me started uh, reading these things. Now <laughs> this is doesn't make for good talking. Yeah, I'm actually <clears throat> cutting back. At one point, I was to the point where daily I was reading probably thirty web comics. Not all of them updated every day, but they would be in my list. And I, I got to the point where I cut back to. Probably fifteen. You got a problem. Could be. I mean, a lot of them are a lot of them are Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, so uh-huh. I'll catch up at the end of the week. Uh-huh. But, and see that that actually has been a sticking point for a lot of cartoon newspaper cartoonists versus web cartoonists. And what you just said, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. When you have a comic that you update three days a week, the newspaper comics who are writing the a new comic every day see that as not I think that's partially what um Stephen Patsis was talking about is that they're not producing they they don't know what it's like to actually have to make a comic every day. But in the same thing, you I think you're getting better quality on these comics because you're you've got a day in between them and you know you don't get the weekend, but they're not just pushing out comics to just to fill that space. It goes back to something that I was told early on when I started podcasting, which was I was all about marketing and getting advertising and and doing it and getting paid and one of the guys i was doing it with you know he said once i start getting paid for it it turns into a job and so i think that's kind of the reason that a lot of these would maintain their quality is that they're not they don't have that person over their shoulder saying you got to get that next comic out tomorrow it's due you know whatever the case may be they can do it on their own time and if they want to stop they can if they don't then they keep doing it until they run out of ideas or they morph it into something else it's quality um, versus quantity. Exactly. And uh, I think that's part of the reason why it's kind of become such a big thing and why Josh is addicted to it is that there is so much good content out there. And uh, it's just uh, for whatever reason, the crap's floating to the newspaper and that's all right. We'll let them have it. Sure. Well, make no mistake, though. Penny Arcade is a brand. Uh, PVP is a brand. At this point, they've they've gone well beyond just the like doing creation for creation's sake. These are guys who are making real money. Oh yeah, I yeah. personally, I, I have I have no problem with people making money off of whatever they're doing. You know, everybody sure. wants to call sure. sellouts or whatever. You know, that kind of stuff. You know, people get all like, "Oh, your earlier stuff before you sold out was so much better." I'm like, "Shit, I'd, I'd if anybody was buying anything I had, I'd sell out in a heartbeat." Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's yeah. buying the shit you're selling. So if you'd like to sponsor 40 going on 40. <laughs> we, we promise the content sale, will be good. <laughs> we, get, we, we, will be, we will be your bitches. We're for sale. So there? So, yeah. Patrick, what do you think, being the uh, newbie to the webcomics, kind of? 
I think I don't know. I, I got to check them out again because I, I last time I tried to read web comics was probably a good six years ago or so. I read a couple of them and just they were just not really that funny. And I was like, well, these you know these are just like all the, the comics on the you know in the paper. So I just I'll give them another shot. I'm going to start reading. I, I just bookmarked a bunch of pages you guys gave me, and I'm going to start reading. I think you'll probably like Manly Guys. Uh, uh, that that's another good one. Oh. Um, yeah. and you're going to like this, Pat. I think if I recall correctly, there's a web comic out there about playing poker. I'm sure there probably oh, is. Yeah. yeah. There's probably a dozen. No, but I remember specifically there being one where a guy is, uh, playing poker and only online. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Been a while. Uh, I got to figure out, find out where that one is. While you're doing if, that. If I wrote that, if I wrote that comic, it would be very dark. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of dark, this is actually a great transition. Uh, I said in part one how much I hated Garfield. Well, <laughs> there is one thing that I like that involves Garfield. It is a webcomic project called Garfield Without Garfield, where someone has decided to take uh, the Garfield strips and remove any of the dialogue or... Uh, uh, images of Garfield, and you get this really strange project where John Arbuckle is a man dealing with his own like loneliness and insanity, <laughs> his own mental issues. It's true. Yeah. It's very disturbing. <laughs> so yeah. disturbing, especially when you see uh, side by side what the original comic looked like. And it amazed me because I find Garfield comics vapid and Garfield himself being the worst thing. He like symbolizes all of the worst things about American culture. He's lazy, materialistic, smug, selfish. And you remove Garfield and all of a sudden Jim Davis's work goes from being something I hate to being something that's kind of brilliant in a twisted sort of way. Weird how yeah. that works. Well, I, I, I guess we don't have to wait till the final episode of, the, of our podcast. Spoiler alert. Talk about Garfield. So. <laughs> well, I've seen that done with the Family Circus, too, where they took out the caption, the cutesy, nice caption, and put in something completely perverse and, oh, and yeah. awful. And, and it works. It works quite well. Um, but... A lot of those things are great too, like like that shirt you have where you know they they take the old timey picture or, or drawing or whatever and put the, a new spin on it in a funny way, and like oh yeah, caption, like well, the one you have about the breakfast or whatever. It's... Um, what you're saying with that, uh, the Family Circus Far Side mix up. I've not seen that. You haven't? Okay, no, it's I'm. What I'm talking about. It's no, it's not a. It's something that actually actually happened. Where it was, it's in one of the Far Side books where it's. It's the the caveman um, psychic where she's got a crystal ball and she's holding the crystal ball and she's supposed to be saying to the caveman, "I see your head marked and labeled hanging on a uh, on a shelf somewhere." And yeah, here he goes. It says, "I see your little petrified skull labeled and resting on a shelf somewhere." Now take that. It was that in Dennis the Menace. I'm sorry, I thought it was that in Farce and Family Circus, and. The far side one has got, instead of that on the bottom, it says, if I get as big as dad, won't my skin be too tight? But they switched over, I see your petrified skull labeled and rotting on a shelf somewhere, to Dennis the Menace. <laughs> That's awesome. And it happened twice. So 
because they were right next to each other. And the other one, do you remember the one where the, uh, the snakes were all sitting and having dinner and the kid snake goes, oh, brother, not hamsters again? Yeah. Well, take that where it's got Dennis and Menace saying that. <laughs> I've got... I'm, I found I found the link. I just anyway, I was just anyway. What were you saying, Joel? Before we oh, I was just going to say. Speaking of before I derailed. No, I dark, did it. You derailed me. <laughs> speaking of dark and twisted comics, the one that I wanted to give out a quick mention to that uh, we didn't touch on on the last round of talking that is actually a published comic um, is one of my personal favorites of the new regime, as it were, sort of uh, Red Meat, which started in 90, 1990. I'm sorry, nineteen eighty nine. I used to read it in the Pitch Weekly in Kansas City when I was growing up. And it is just the most bizarre, yeah. strange comic. And it's it appears in about, it says here, 75 alternative weeklies in college papers in the United States. And uh, it spawned a, uh, apparently a, a, a comic or cartoon called, um, where is it? It's on adam.com. Uh, I can't find it now. Anyway, there was a, it spawned a, a a comic, uh, there it is, uh, Shadow Rock is the name of it. But it's got basically static characters that don't really move much, um, with just this horrifically bizarre storytelling, um, with kind of a 50 style clip art. Um, like you got Bug Eyed Earl, who's a, looks like a very, very two dimensional. Right. He's got a bolo tie on. He's got big eyes and he's, uh, then you got Milkman Dan, who's the local milkman who's completely, he's a horrible person. And he picks on Karen, who's a child that lives in the neighborhood. And then there's Ted Johnson, who's like your typical pipe smoking, glasses wearing, fifties dad. Only he's com- uh, got gruesome sexual fantasies and is very just wrong. Waiting for the nickels to come out. <laughs> look it up. Just look up Max Cannon. That's the the guy who created it. It's called Red Meat. You can find it at redmeat.com. Johnny it's, Lemonhead. It's, You're the one that introduced me to that comic. And it's I it's personal favorite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love the fact that you can keep up with Red Meat at redmeat.com. Like, uh, there, there's one posted for as recent as April 1st. Yeah. Uh, so it kind of has crossed over. Not only is it in the indie weeklies as a published comic, but it's also kind of a web comic too. And it's a grassroots thing. He started out Max Cannon. I mean, it was it was totally grassroots. And even the books that they put together, he had his fans get a petition together to petition the uh, Arizona or Tucson Weekly, where he was being published at the time, to collect all of his comics into a book format. And there's been three books, I believe, total now, maybe four. Um, just be, again, just because of grassroots efforts. And so it kind of is that, I guess maybe it's a good way to bridge the two together to finalize on accident, but it's seriously, it's so good. That's all. all right. Oh, and then Pat got a haircut and he looks like his dad now. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. So, guys, what are we talking about next week? Patrick? We're going to talk about wrestling. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I'll be sick next week. He's going to do that all show next week, isn't he? <laughs> I'll be watching oh, yeah. Vader. Yes. I hit him with a chair, but he's in Texas. <laughs> Hang on. I'm going to make a call. <laughs> uh, in, in honor of me going to WrestleMania this week, uh, we're going to talk about wrestling then and now. Yes. That's it. I mean, what more do I need to say? I got the then down, but I haven't watched wrestling since, like, the NWO was a thing. I'll, I'll ask my buddy Chris, who is a giant wrestling nut, if he wants to come be the expert witness. <laughs> I, I have been watch wrestling since Glow. Yeah. <laughs> Glow. I watched a documentary about Glow. Did you know that, that one of the wrestlers of Glow went on to be a porn star? Tiffany Million. 
there you go. I've uh, watched. Let me hang on. Wait. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was going to be surprised there for a second, but it just didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So that's next week. The really big giant woman that wore the onesie leotard. Yeah, that woman. She. Yeah. Watch yeah. the documentary. There's a documentary on Netflix. It's streaming. It's called Glow. It's about the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, and it's really sad and depressing. Watch it. <laughs> Why do I want to watch that? It's it's sad. They don't even talk about Tiffany Million. Honestly, she's not even mentioned. I, I believe it. Well, on that note, folks. Yay. <laughs> All right, well, if you want to find our shows, uh, you can always find us at TalkShoe, Stitcher, Blueberry, iTunes, um, or on our website at 40go14.com. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Send us an email. Yes, you're right. <laughs> Send us an email at 40go14 at gmail.com. Please. Twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah. Or leave us a voicemail yeah. at 708. Now wrap. Word. Yeah. So, yeah, you should do those things. You should. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Mike saying goodbye. Patrick. Oh, yeah. Bye. (laughs) Bye. I'm Joel. I'll be watching They Live next week instead of performing on the show. And I'm Josh. And I hate Garfield. (laughs) (laughs) President Garfield. Garfield must die. Now here comes the NSA. What? (laughs) What's NSA got to do with it? Oh, because of the president? Yeah. Oh. I, I had to explain to them that he died like you know many decades ago and they would let him go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I got nothing for that one, man. Yeah, you need to switch to some weaker stuff, dude. And I'm the comic book man. When it's hopeless, I'll review my plan. So, I was... Just- thinking, what the fuck are we waiting on? Then I realized I didn't have Skype open.